Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast. Nick Wisdom. Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast. This is episode two. Now I know I said last time was episode zero, but turns out none of the podcast services will let you have a number zero. So we're just going to call this one episode two. So it lines up with uh, all the description. Anyway, I'm your host, Nick Wisdom. And with me this week, I am crazy excited to have the entire cast with us. Say hello, fellas. How's it going? What's up, everybody? I feel like I should say howdy. (laughs) No clues. You can't give shit away. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) So eventually we're going to settle into kind of a familiar format and framework for the podcast. But this week's a little different. This week's all about getting to know the revolutionaries. And yes... We're probably going to make a lot of bad puns and cheesy uses of the podcast title in various formats on the show. Get used to it. But enough about that. Let's dig into the cast. So I'm going to introduce them one at a time, and then we'll get to know each of them a little better with a bit of a group interview, and we'll take our first crack at some news a little bit later, and then we'll wrap. In the teaser episode, I asked our folks to guess the cast from those short clips. And the first host I'll introduce was the easiest one to guess, apparently, as many of you got it right. So our first host is a good personal friend of mine, a member of the Atlanta Heli crew, a fellow HeliDirect team pilot, one of the most helpful dudes around for trying to wrap your head around Futaba and the CGY 760, been dabbling his toes in the scale helicopter world, he's a NAFS competitor and past winner, has helped manage the US FAI Worlds team, and is one of the most dedicated competition pilots I know, traveling all over the US to F3C competitions and clinics, on top of that, he's been an amazing sounding board for me to bounce ideas off and a fantastic collaborator. I am super happy to introduce Mr. Brian Birdsong and welcome him to the podcast. Welcome, Brian. Wow, thanks, Nick. Holy cow, man. That was a pretty big intro. I, I, I don't feel worthy of all that, but I do appreciate it. Oh, I'm so, so glad to be it's here. All, it, Thank you. It's all true, man. <laughs> Nothing in there is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> you heard all of us. Anyway, dude, I, I'm super stoked to have you on the podcast. I mean, you and I have been friends in the hobby for a long time. So yes. uh, what, what, what made you kind of want to be a part of this whole shebang? I'm telling you, man, like, like you said in the intro, I mean, I love helping people. And I think right now competition flying is, uh, is growing. Um, scale flying is growing. And the more advocates you have to really uh, stand up and reach out to the community and let them know that it exists and you're here to support them, the you know the more pilots we're going to get and the better it's going to become so i'm here to support man here to fly i love flying i love competing um i love talking futaba i love the 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 radio system or any system for that matter it's just you know it's all in fun and 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 good uh, graces so that's that's primarily why i'm here to just really put the the message out that's awesome man and and i love the diversity and you'll learn more about this as the episode goes on of radio and FBL choices amongst this crew. It's awesome. I don't know, it excites me because I feel like we have a lot of different perspectives. And honestly, putting this team together for me has been about finding and seeking out different perspectives. So I love that you've got a little bit of the scale world and you're you're moving into that a little bit. But the competition circuit, the F3C style, Futaba, the CGY, I think it's all going to be a really valuable uh, contribution to the podcast. So, So thanks for coming aboard, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Next up on our list. 
I only know of one person that guessed this one. From the frozen north near Cincinnati, Ohio, he's been on some podcasts in the past. He's a well-known A-Main team pilot, mostly because he's so well-versed in so many different FBLs and radios, and is always happy to help anyone in a fun fly, of which, by the way, he attends many all over the U.S. He's flown a wide variety of airframes, has been in the hobby for a very long time, knows nitros and electrics, and has personally helped me get my first nitro helicopter in the air. Mr. Kenny Hutton. Thanks very much, Nick. So, same question to you, man. What, uh, what made you decide to come aboard when I reached out to you? Well, I thought about it for a while, and I thought it's another way, extension, you know, to, you know, just to reach out to people and give them, you know, info that we're looking for, or maybe we'll touch on a subject that they're having trouble with at the moment. That's the kind of thing, same as, you know, kind of like what Brian's uh, usually, you know, his whole goal, too. I mean, we all have that same, you know, help each other out and, and find the problem and correct it. You know, that's the way I've been for many years with anything I get my hands on, it's, you know, I want to get a hold of it and like figure out why it's not working right or, you know, just find a better way to make it work if that's the case and just help people out in general. That's awesome, man. I think we all have that memory of like that place early on in the hobby where we get stuck and then you find that one thing, it's a blog post, a YouTube video, a Facebook post, whatever it is, where like some dude who's giving back to the hobby helps you. And I feel like that memory sticks in your mind and then as you grow in the hobby you want to give that back because you want to be that guy that like was that key player that helped you out absolutely there yeah yeah one of the hard things is when you come up to somebody to help them too is you don't know what stage they're at you know like how far they are into the hobby or the product they're using or anything so you have to kind of talk to them a little bit and get to know the situation you know before you can just spit out an answer you know that's the forum's online are not the same because people just type something. They don't know the whole situation. You know, maybe somebody's already tried what's, you know, supposed to work and it didn't work too. There's, you know, four or five options or solutions for every problem too. So this may help people in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I think the longer format of a podcast and it being more conversational lets you get out a lot more information than, uh, you know, perhaps some shorter formats do like a forum, like you said. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, Kenny. I really appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. Thanks a lot. All right. Last up. And for now, we're going to stick with four hosts. Honestly, we do plan to either get up to five hosts or have a revolving guest host. As honestly, we've had a lot of folks say, man, I can't do a full-time thing, but I really want to come on for some amount of episodes. So hit me up when you're ready. Um, so we'll either have a revolving host or maybe a fit. But either way, we're going to want some flexibility to each take weeks off as, uh, as life kicks in. Anyway, I digress. Our last host, nobody guessed correctly. That's nice. Well, it may be Doug Darby, but he cheated, <laughs> honestly. So this guy's a class act of the hobby. Hails from Texas, which I hope will expose all of us to tales of a whole different flying region than perhaps you've heard before. You may know him from some of the helpful videos he's put out on YouTube, or perhaps from fun flies all over the United States. He was one of the best initial sources of info on the V-Bar Evo, especially the metal case for the Evo. The strong hint there. He flies electrics, nitros, and gas-powered helicopters. He's a member of the BK Hobbies USA team, and although we've never met in person, when we first got on the phone together, I knew he'd be a great fit for the show. So I'm super happy to welcome Mr. Alex Dean to the show. Hey guys, thank you. Howdy. <laughs> Is that like a mandatory thing? Like when you I don't text? know, but I feel like I've, I've had many people meet me and say, why don't you have a Texas accent? Mm -hmm. And I say, 
I don't know. So howdy. <laughs> yeah. Were you were you born and raised in Titus? I was born in the, I was born in like the suburbs in Paris, Texas, which is a farming town, farming community. Yeah. I feel like these are horrible Texas questions, but do you own a cowboy hat and or boots? No. But one of the guys on one of my videos recently said you need to get a cowboy hat, and I, I, I agree with him. But we do love cowboy boots. Cowboy boots are fun because there's so many different types of skins and all that kind of stuff that people get into, right? That's a cool, almost like a collector thing that people get into. I mean, it looked pretty badass if you throw it out on an epic flight and then like mosey on back to the flight line. You know, <laughs> Especially if you're in shorts. And, <laughs> with spurs. Shorts and spurs. <laughs> oh my God. And tube socks. Oh, yeah. But if you crash and have to walk out like in that getup, I don't think that's a good look. I, I think I think you can crash well and take that. I like it. <laughs> but same question to you, man. When I hit you up, totally cold out of the blue. Like I've met Kenny, I've met Brian. We've hung out together at Fun Flies. You and I have never crossed paths before. And I no. just hit you up because mm-hmm. I got a recommendation, honestly, from a lot of other people. Like you should call Alex. Like he's a great dude, and whatever would be. I mean, we know so a lot of the same people also from just being in the hobby and being around. Yeah. Well, what made you say yes? I mean, I really love the sound of my own voice, Nick. It's it's great. <laughs> it is I mean, very radio-like. It is yeah, kind very of radio, nice. very radio. No, I mean, really, when I what I love about podcasts and what I love about being able to share stuff in this hobby is that I started out doing. I really started out doing helicopters alone, um, not necessarily by choice, but by family commitment and different things that were going on, and and also just not knowing that there was what we kind of have in the heli quote-unquote community it's a community because it's so it's kind of small it's kind of tight-knit um and i didn't know that that existed so i hope that uh, other people kind of find stuff like this and and use it to learn and use it to know that they're not out there alone either so we have a lot of backyard flyers and stuff like that uh and i know that they use this knowledge because if you're not attending fun flies or you're not going to clubs you don't you only know what you see or what you read and hearing most of them latch on to like heli freak and things like that just because it's an easy search you know dude i read everything that was on heli freak and when it started transitioning to facebook you lose the data right the knowledge is gone yeah Yeah. just people say use the search form in heli freak but that i'm sorry that like doesn't exist for me on facebook it's whatever facebook chooses to show me right yeah it's it's really unfortunate because there's so much like great knowledge on social media it's been shared in these instants, but finding it again is impossible. I mean, if you don't know to find the whatever Futaba Flyers group or the YGE forum or the Theta forum or whatever you're flying at that time and find the right group with the right people in it to ask, it's hard to find that stuff now. Yeah. And it's also hard for the people active in those communities to answer the same question for the 30th time with the same level of detail when it's been covered Absolutely. before. Anyway, we're mm-hmm. off on a digression already, but... While we're talking about early starts of the hobby, and since you're currently in the hot seat, Alec, uh, we're going to kind of transition, now that you've met everybody, which by the way, I'm super stoked. I think we have an awesome team here, and I'm I'm super excited for what the future holds, if I haven't said that a million times already. But uh, for the rest of the episode, what I really want to do is try and help uh, everybody, and me too, to some extent, get to know everyone a little bit. So, Alex, you're in the hot seat. Tell us a little bit about your background in the hobby. How did you get started with Man, I remember being a kid in high school and going over to my friends. I was in Scouts and I was over at my buddy's house. And we go in his garage and there's like airplanes hanging from the ceiling. And I'm geeking out over it going, 
I, I want to do this. I love this. Tell me about this. And he goes, that's my dad's stuff. Don't ever look at that again. Kind of my dad's <laughs> a nerd or my dad does stuff that I'm not interested in kind of thing. And he, he like never talked to me about it again. And I saved up a bunch of money to buy a sailplane and build a sailplane from sticks because I didn't know anything else existed. And I remember walking into a hobby store and seeing, I don't know what kind of helicopter it was. Okay. I have no idea if it was a, if it could have been a Raptor, I have no idea. And, and seeing it hanging there and going, I freaking love that. And whenever, after, after college, after I got married and we had our first kid, we were kind of, you're stuck at home a lot when you have your first kid. If you, if you, if you haven't had kids, it's a lifestyle shock or it was for me. I didn't realize that going to the movies was no longer going to be an option. And we went over to Hobbytown USA or a local hobby shop and I bought a Horizon MSRX and spent freaking forever. And I had an idea where this was going, but my wife had no clue it was going to become a, <laughs> a lifestyle for us almost. Um, but yeah, I just progressed from that. Um, and reading Heli Freak, uh, I watched that. Do you remember the Smarter Every Day video with Destin on helicopters? He like talked about helicopter physics and you start learning about that stuff. It's a good video from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with micros. I still remember having my MCPX and the day that I turned it upside down and hovered it and running back inside and telling my wife, like, look how cool I am. It's <laughs> awesome. And you get that yeah. underwhelming response like, that's my steer. That's great. <laughs> well, she had also, she, she, my wife is great. She intended to do this with me. And we were both started flying that MC, MSR, MSRX and I was constantly spending, at the time, $5 for parts was a lot of money for us. And constantly mm-hmm. going to store and buying a plastic landing gear because it just wouldn't accept any more super glue that was kind of eating into her and she kind of quit and she went you, you can just do this you know and then when you got that mcpx and it flew so crap you spent hours reading heli freak trying to figure out how to make it fly better i was hooked man i flew alone for a long time uh, i joined an airplane club and i was like the only heli pilot there and once I met other people, it took probably four or five years for me to meet other people in the hobby. And I think that if I'd have had a podcast I was listening to or something like this, where you knew that if things were happening around you, it probably would have helped my progress a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like I discovered Freefall and uh, RCHN V2 pretty early on through, I don't even know how. Uh, and they were huge helps because I also learned to fly by myself and I felt like that attached me to the community. I didn't find the Atlanta heli community until I'd been flying like two years, something like that. I forget what it was, but, um, and it is awesome once you, once you find that community, but yeah, those resources are huge. Um, when you're going solo, I wish that I'd, I I should have gone and joined a club sooner, but I don't think I understood either that this was a club type of thing. I just thought it was something that people did in their yard or something. Uh, cause I'd never seen or been around a larger machine before. Um, and I just didn't know about what else was going on. So if I'd attended an event in my area or something like that, it would have been different. Like, uh, I'm going to use this time. I'm sorry to give a shout out to, uh, Stephen Mixon and CE Dingman and Chase Watkins of the greater Southwest Aero Modelers Club who just hosted an event near us. There hasn't been a North Texas Dallas style event in a long time since one of the biggest hobby shops in the area is closed. So, dude, I'm super thankful to have those people putting that kind of thing on it's amazing that's super awesome i should have found that community earlier i had the same issue like when i started flying it was uh 
airplane only field. So when I went down there to yeah. check it out, there was no heli guys. You know, it was once I got a heli a little later on, I met one or two that just happened to show up one day. And that's how I kind of got into the, you know, meeting a few people, but it was still just heli freak. Yeah. Heli freak for me. And I was the same way I was at an airplane field. So like I was, I got in this about the time fly bars were going away. So I was flying like a beast X and then an icon and figuring all that out on your own. Not necessarily on my own. There was, there was a local hobby shop. There was a guy there that was helping me out a lot. Going out to the field by yourself is rough when you don't really know what you're doing. Beast X, that, that's impressive. <laughs> Beast X, holy cow. <laughs> to learn, to start on, wow. All right, Brian, you chimed in. How did you get started in the hobby? You know, I, I actually started flying um, radio control helicopters back in late 95. I believe it was in late 95. I got into it for about a couple of months and then life happened, right? And of course, kids came along and, you know, working hard. And so I just kind of had to put it aside. But starting off, though, you know, one of the local hobby shops, uh, shouts out to Ronnie's Hobbies, no longer exists, but was pretty big here in, in the Atlanta area. Um, so Harobo Shuttles, he specialized in Harobo helicopters. So the Shuttle Z was the helicopter of choice back then, small 30 size uh, nitro engine. Um, and, and yeah, so I built one and had a blast doing it. It had a field that was like, uh, you know, minutes down the road from the hobby shop that all of us would go down and fly at and, and it would bring him customers, folks to buy helicopters, but no one knew how to build, build them. So, um, he asked me, Hey Brian, would you mind, you know, kind of building helicopters for me and you'll get a little cut of it. I was like, absolutely. So, um, you know, he gave me some money to help build these helicopters and, you know, that's what I did. I got into it. I learned the mechanics and how it all worked, the physics behind it, uh, learned how to hover. And, you know, I, I can't, you know, the first time I, I nose in hover was like, holy cow, I'm doing nose in and everything was completely reversed, you know, but, but that was really cool. And I loved it. But again, you know, I, I crashed a few times and Lord knows I did not have money to repair this thing over and over again. So kind of got out of it. But if you fast forward now, some 25 plus years later, Right. I, uh, the pandemic hits and, um, I don't know, on YouTube one day, see a horizon hobby ad come up with someone flying a blade 230. And I was like, holy cow. I remember those RC helicopters. I totally forgot about them. Right. But saw this blade 230 and said, I want one. And so I jump on horizon hobbies website and I go and I purchase one and it comes in and I mean, it was like just getting back on a bike I took it to the backyard. I mean, it was already you know, ready to fly or whatever. Took it to the backyard, picked it up, and I was like, I remember this. This is so cool. And you know, I was alone, like like you were, Alex, in the beginning. Yeah. So, like, you know, what do I do? You know, uh, are there any the groups? Blade 230 came assembled. I know. That's what I'm saying. It was so yeah. cool. <laughs> but I didn't know, you know, how to learn new things. And so watching those videos on YouTube was like, how's those guys do that stuff? I never knew what 3D was, you know, and, and that was just amazing to see. So jumped yeah. on Facebook, just kind of searched RC Helicopter. Saw groups come up, RC Hangout, uh, the Heli Hangout came up, other groups. Um, but then I saw someone mention something about uh, a Cobb County club, right? RC club, which is CCRC for us down here in the South. And I was like, man, Cobb County is, you know, 30 minutes up the road. I can go up there. So I reached out to that individual. Uh, shouts out to Mike Bingham, who kind of uh, introduced me to our Atlanta crew. And so I would go up there every weekend and fly with those guys and learn new things. And, you know, that's kind of how I, uh, how I got started and flying with the group. So yeah. And just, you know, and the rest is history. I mean, it's just, 
one thing led to another. <laughs> I used to call myself learning 3D. Well, I call it 2.5D because I was nowhere near 3D. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, my God, dude, I, I planted so many helicopters in the ground. You know, it just it got really frustrating. And I said, you know, there's got to be something because I love to do this, but I cannot afford to keep crashing these birds to try to learn a new maneuver and all this stuff. But, uh, but I saw, like I said uh, in, in an article I wrote up, uh, a friend of mine, Gina Tucker, she's a pilot that flies F3C Precision. And, and uh, I was like, wow, you know, that looks pretty fun. You know, it's really simple, really subtle. Aerobatics are pretty easy. I, that's kind of a 2D plane, just going back and forth and performing these maneuvers. So that's what got me into to precision flying. And, um, you know, just got better and better at it, lots of practice. And now I'm out here uh, hanging out with these, these guys that have been doing it for, you know, 20 plus years. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I try to start our my every one of my flights with like a thirty second hover or something when I'm practicing at home. Yeah, and it's just constantly drifting. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It it is. And it's it is. funny to watch these three D guys who can do any maneuver in the book, like struggle to hold a helicopter over a cone or something. It's like I don't know. I'm like I can hold it over a cone, but I can't do what they can do. Um, no. So it's it's wild how the brain works like that i'm like how do you track orientation through these super complex maneuvers but can't hold it still but no man i mean but much respect to the 3d pilots though because that is hard and and i totally respect you know those who got that great hand-eye coordination that can keep up with what it's doing amazing so hats off to all the 3d pilots out there i think that's what's cool about the hobby though is that it's all hard yeah, <laughs> I was literally that was the yeah. thought of my main. I was like, it's all hard. I don't care it's if you're flying hard. scale or F3C <laughs> or 3D or learning yeah. to hover. Like, it's always hard. It's never not yeah. hard, but it's yeah. always fun. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right, Kenny, you're up. So you've probably maybe been in the hobby the longest out of the four of us, I think. Or am I wrong there? Uh, helicopters 2007, roughly. What were your guys' years again? Mine was 2011. 2011. When did you start? Nick, you've been a few years, right? I'm only, I mean, I was into RC a long time ago. Um, I flew sailplanes, electrics, hotliners, thermal duration stuff, um, big four meters. Uh, in another life, it feels like it was so long ago. Yeah. I was like a long break knowing I would come back to the hobby at some point, but I came back to helis in like... Uh, 2018 2019 when i started with helis like i had always wanted to try helicopters and then my wife bought me one of those stupid amazon indoor infrared helicopters and and little did she know what it would do to our bank account oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. this is that's the that's the drug to get into it right yeah yeah Yeah. uh but anyway i totally interrupted you there kenny so you've been in the hobby a long time so so what's your background in the hobby how old were you when you got started uh, I mean, I can go way back. So like really little, my dad and my parents weren't really into RC, but he got me like a little, one of those two channel, like little boats when I was five or six, you know? And after that, I was kind of hooked on RC, even just when I was a little kid, you know, then it was like, like a lot of kids did Traxxas, yep. you know, stuff mm-hmm. that they sold in, you know, just commercial stores at first, but eventually it led to more like when I was 15, 16, I started um, doing, you know, I built a few RC cars, like the old RC 10 GT, like the original, you know, nitro trucks and stuff like that, 10 scale, just to to learn it. And, you know, I did it on my own. I just ordered a kit and 
started piecing the stuff together and figured it out on my own, got it to work, you know, had a few bad experiences in the beginning, obviously, because the old school days was like you had double A packs, you know, for your receiver packs, even helicopters when I first started was still like NICAD packs, you know, and mm. horrible stuff that can just die randomly and, <laughs> you know, Dude, a lot even, worse than the lithium stuff. <laughs> even building those RC car kits, that's not easy. That's no, I just like sit down and, you know, you just, if you're good, you can read me. You know, I learned from background, I'm just working on stuff when I was younger. I was always tearing stuff apart. Even when I was little, if something broke, I would just disassemble it in a million pieces, figure out why it broke and try to fix it, put it back together with everything, electronics and motors and didn't matter what it was, you know, just take it apart and fix it. And that kind of made me learn a lot of my background on mechanical stuff and how everything works, you know, even software stuff, just, you know, computer's not working right figure out what's going on, you know, fix it. Same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, so the, so after the cars, eventually later on, it was, um, probably 20, 2000, it was actually 2007 or eight when I, I started with planes for a few years. And at the same time, I kind of transitioned into helicopters. I flew planes three or four years total. You know, I kind of got burnout on, you know, the, the planes are fun, but you know, you do get burnout on the traditional maneuvers. You can only do, so much stuff and then you're like okay you know i need to try something else if you feel like you want to learn some more you know and helicopters takes it to a whole other level you know because then when you're inverted it's everything's backwards and upside down and it's just a lot more challenging to me anyway so i flew them from 2007 to 2011 or 12 range where i ended up um having one of my buddies at the field that flew for tsa models approach me and I was allowed to join the team for TSA for a few years, which kind of got me started oh, that's cool. to where I'm at now in that, in that sense. Thanks. That's awesome. Nice. You've been going a long time and you fly nitros and electrics. Is that right? Yeah. I usually try to keep like a balanced mixture. Really. I like having a couple nitros and, you know, like a 50 and 90 sized. And then same thing with the electrics, you know, like maybe a medium five or 600 sized and 700 sized you know, going at one time at least. And on what, uh, while, while we're here, what's, uh, what's in your fleet right now in terms of like regular flying model? The ones I take out the most, I've been flying the Spectre a lot lately, 700 and Tron 7, um, 5.8. did something happen to the Spectre though? I, I pile drove it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh? oh, I only, I only pile drive them every once in a while. It's not that often because I used to do it a lot and, the more I fixed them, the more I fixed them, I'd try to be more careful. So I haven't pal drove that many in lately, but this one was my own doing. Hold on. So <laughs> I know you're new to podcasting, but this is the rule. When you mention a crash, you must explain it in full detail. Okay. Uh, I do want to hear this. I just had a couple leftover packs and it wasn't one of those. This is my last flight of the day flight, but it technically <laughs> ended up being either way. <laughs> it was two out of two packs. It was my second one, but I just, I took a couple out and I was just wanting to burn some packs up this last weekend. And I was like, okay, I'll just go ahead and do a couple quick flights. And, and actually I was, um, I was just doing some regular stuff, you know, just typical, like some flips rolls. And I, I went flying inverted across the field and Piro f- flipped around, but I didn't roll over. And I was way too low to the ground when I realized I was only like four or five feet and I rolled it over and then the tail and the main blades caught at the same time. I just kind of jammed the tail into the ground. Oof. So it was pretty good. Wow. It didn't, it did the typical damage though. Just, you know, boom, grip arms, uh, just a few things like landing skids, links, blades. 
just nothing major things, just most of all the moving parts it was like seven of the typical pieces <laughs> <laughs> no frames were, were smashed <laughs> like the hobby alters us we're like oh you know i did the blades the boom the length of this to that and we're like, i know, <laughs> I know right? i'm ha- like, yeah some people yeah, like like i know usual. guys that do uh guys that do cars and things and, and and they think it's you know they spend a lot on tires and stuff but then when they hear that we crash one of these they think it's crazy and it's yeah. like you're spending tons on tires and races and stuff it, it's actually more because a lot of times you don't crash for a long time you know when you do it's sometimes catastrophic but i'm happy if the frame doesn't break you know if my battery isn't on fire or smashed and the frame doesn't break that's like 90 percent success right there when, when do you call it a rekit i usually don't unless it's really bad i mean i've had some left and right frames where i pretty much just tossed it in the corner it just sits there with its dunce cap on until i decide to <laughs> fix it but yeah usually if it's just like a few pieces i'll still buy the frame side and swap it out and fix it anyway no I, maybe i, I, I get I lucky and don't have total smashed up like i've never had full bent main shaft with both oh. side frames i only get one side or the other it seems like must get lucky no i i put one in uh about a month ago so we had a competition down in in tampa and this was my prestigious quest 775 impaction bird um kind of the rolls royce of of f3c machines and I was doing a maneuver, kind of a double candlestick. You basically just climb as high as you can, and you kind of do this flip and roll out of it. Well, I, I, I did the first one, and the second one, I went up to do it, flipped out of it, rolled. And as I was coming down to kind of just pull the elevator stick to kind of come out of it, elevator just did not respond. And so this guy from 200 feet just did a lawn dart straight down to the ground and exploded. Boom talk about a rekit no it's just it was trash <laughs> it was trash so well, i shouldn't uh, laugh yeah. but those pictures were something else i mean that thing did you see the just, picture yeah. yes <laughs> yeah it was horrible it's a shame, so. if you've never seen a quest bird it's this like work of oh. art out of is it out of oh. japan mm. um yes yes it is just mm-hmm. beautiful and the head is like anodized and gold and black oh, and i think yes. there's some silver in there and it is gorgeous yeah. and oh it was it was Heart wrenching to see those. But I get that question too. Quests. Did you guys crash in F three C? I said, well, sometimes, and and this was a mechanical failure, and that's what happened. It just fell right out of the sky, and unfortunately, it was it was nose diving, <laughs> and it just went straight down. A couple of years ago, I was in Huntsville, and um, Alan Butler had his uh, he had a yellow Kraken uh, turbine, and he was like two hundred feet in the air, and I happened to see that one go in, and that was kind of devastating. I mean, it wasn't as bad as it really could have been, but I'm sure yeah. it was, you know terrible for him because it it went it went from 200 feet straight nosed in and i don't know how the turbine survived because it smashed the front end and smashed a bunch on the helicopter but it still wasn't i mean it it needed like half of the frame parts but somehow you you know the motor survived and everything luckily wow those are those falls from from big height are insane that was a winter bash a couple years ago in orlando and i can't remember who was flying at this point but is this the kraken one yeah, I think it was a Kraken, but it was like ESC shut down, literally like doing this massive big air, I don't know, setting up for an auto or something. So it's like 250, 300 feet. It's a little dot. It's way the hell up there. And the ESC shut down. And it fell for so long. There were like multiple like gasps and silence. And then it just got really quiet because it still hadn't hit the ground. And then finally it was like <laughs> this distant thud. And everyone was like, oh. well, it's awful when they go in from real high. Yeah. This one down there that I saw was a guy, he showed up with a brand new uh, orange Kraken, and I haven't seen him before. I'm not sure, for sure if he's local. I'm thinking it's, he's from down there. 
he he just went out and he was just going to fly real hard, you know, and show off. And he just rip it around for like only 30 seconds. And he did a big like square loop. And he, his bottom of the square was five feet underground, if you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> he drove it in. It was just like fibers and dust flying through there, a brand new kit in, in a million pieces. He walked back and there was just a head and some wires hanging from the head. And somehow he, he got Bert to bring him another kit. He bought another one, assembled it, and had it, had it built in like four or five hours. It was flying again later on that day and the next day. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I think he just got too over, you know, zealous when he first showed up like i'm just gonna go crazy you know you do when your initial fight sometimes is like yeah you know everybody does you show up in your first flight's the best mm-hmm. flight of the day and then after that it's like okay <laughs> my first flight of the fun fly is my nervous i'm shaking yeah. flight oh yeah oh yeah i like to do that first flight as far away from center stage as humanly possible and like quietly when everyone's distracted by something on the other end don't ever think it's the best thing you can do i guess so, Kenny, I feel like we totally sidetracked when you were like one helicopter into what's in your fleet. So, Oh, my uh, fleet. Sorry. It's right now, if you want a full, full fleet, I have to actually think really hard. Um, Tron 7, Spectre 700 V2, uh, Tron Heritage 5.8. I have an, a Nitroxy still. Um, I have the, the Nitron 50, uh, the Raw 420, and OMP M2. And I still have the orange and blue um, Sport Goblin 770, one of those. Nice. Um, those are pretty. Those are. Trying to think mm-hmm. what else. And I have two nit- uh, Nitro 90 Trons also. Nice. Very nice. Nice, nice fleet, man. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Alex? What, uh, what are you flying? Man, I have, I've kind of gone through. I like them all. Everything I fly has been great. But I, I settled on because of traveling and going to different events across not just in texas it's nice to be flying multiples of the same model uh and right now i'm all i'm pretty much all flying sab stuff so i have a uh, a logo 800 that i traded someone something for uh and i'd always wanted 800 i just thought it looked cool is um, that one of the extremes no it's the new the new plastic one i don't oh, know gotcha. the extreme. Okay. um but so i've got i don't know one, two, three, four. I think I have, I have five Raws. That um, I have two my two primary electric machines, and then I have a an all kind of dedicated night machine. Uh, and of course, I have my gas powered stuff that I like playing with. Uh, I think gas is super fun because it's still being developed, and so there's always something new to be working on with it. And I think change it's that's fun. And then I I, I like nitro. I like I I love flying. So. I'm still sitting in a Raja chair, just kicking back, watching them get lighter and lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That is what's going on. Uh, and in the gasser world, like Doug and I actually like gram weigh everything that we put into them. And that's part of the development and the fun of it, though, is tinkering. I love tinkering with stuff. It's fun. Yeah, you have kind of a, as far as gassers go, kind of a unique experience and opportunity because you do like are right next to Doug Darby. Who... Yeah, I see Doug at least once a week. I mean, he lives 10 minutes from me maybe and we have lunch probably once a week and pretty much anytime I go to the field um, he's he's kind of always there. Him and I are real close. So awesome. yeah, I, I definitely grabbed onto gassers because of him and I'd, al- I'd been around gassers for a long time uh, not really understanding what he's doing. And we were at uh, the San Diego Fun Fly a couple of years ago, and he was like, come fly this thing. 
And I just had this big grin on my face the whole time. Like, this flies great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's been super fun to do with him. But yeah, right now I'm, I'm flying all SAB stuff for the most part. Uh, I've got a, I've got a 420 and I just built the 500 also. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, anxious to hear your thoughts on the 500. Uh, and speaking of which, I think we will start doing a regular series of reviews on various airframes. And uh, the Raw 500 is definitely uh, in the future. So you'll yeah. hear more about the airframe from Alex soon. I know, and that's awesome, man. Um, I think that's kind of Doug's MO, running around trying to set the gasser hook in people's mouths. Oh, yeah. I mean, he literally country. has like the machine that um, lots of people fly. And I'll, I do the same thing, dude. If someone comes up to me and I, I know them or have met them multiple times and they want to fly my machine, I'm all about it. Yeah, it's fun. So, um, they definitely have a unique characteristic to them. Like they don't fly like a nitro nitros fly light. Um, I don't want to say it's darty, but it's quick to change directions. Right. And they, you have to use, you kind of have to use collective on a nitro to pull it through maneuvers because they're so heavy, so light. And on a gasser, they're closer nowadays to an electric weight and you have plenty of power. So they kind of set into maneuvers better, if that makes sense. And you don't have to pull it through because it carries the weight through it. Yeah. Hmm. It's got a little more inertia. It's, it is funny, though. If you see a flight on a nitro versus a gas back-to-back, they're different flying styles because of the weight differences. And the power delivery is actually similar. You want to keep them loaded up, and they love being loaded. Do you find you can bounce back and forth between nitro, gas, electric in the same flying session? Or whether the styles yeah, are so sure. different, you have to kind of settle in? Nah, they're both super fun. Um, I have pitch set different on my nitro. I think I have it at like 11 degrees. And on my gas, I have it 13 degrees because it has the power to pull through that. They do on the tune pipe. I haven't flown one on a muffler in a long time. The tune pipe's just fun to me. Um, But with that tune pipe, dude, they make so much power that it pulls through. At a cost of noise, but yeah. Yeah, he's in a wide open space, I'm guessing, out there where he has plenty of uh, room for it to go away. I don't know what you're talking about. I love that noise. It's so funny because I don't notice that it makes an annoying noise to people until someone tells me that it's an annoying noise. And I remember sitting out, I was at the Southwest Heli Rodeo a few years ago and Alex Rose was sitting there with me. We were watching Ben beat up on Doug's Align Gasser at the time. And I don't know if it's on video, someone was videoing it, but the two of us are back there like heckling, making the lamb noise like, while it's. (laughs) <laughs> while the governor is well the governor what, what it does is the governor hits like the minimum limit and the gas, yeah the gas engine goes duh, 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 when it when it does that so we're just back there heckling but the noise is is not bad and actually when we get to the news i'll talk about the noise <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well i mean i'm excited to have your gasser perspective um for sure yeah. on the podcast um that's great so brian uh, what about you, man? What's uh, what's in your fleet right now? Other minus one quest and what else? Yeah, <laughs> minus one quest. So, um, for my F three F three C machines, I fly uh, the SAB Genesis. So I have two of those. I have a primary and a backup. Um, I also have uh, a Spectre V one airframe that's just begging for electronics right now. So I think that's going to be one of my winter projects as well. I also have the uh, Fun Key MD 500E Scale Bird, oh, that's cool. 700 size with um, Align 700X mechanics inside that I fly now. 
And yeah, just a couple of other uh, smaller airframes that I don't fly. I do have a, an Align 470 um, that I fly just to kind of learn some maneuvers with. That um, you guys saw me auto-rotate down. Holy cow, that was wow. crazy. Yeah. I don't that think I've funny. tried to auto my 420 or 500. So. <laughs> <laughs> that thing fell out the sky like a rock. But, you know, Tom Shin was out there with us at the field. He's like, just point the nose down and just let it go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So I go up, a, you know, good 150 feet maybe and just hit the throttle hole. That thing just fell out of the sky. And then I got to the ground about three feet, just added that positive pitch and it just cushioned and landed. I was like, holy shit, I did it. <laughs> it was crazy. I was shocked. I was really expecting <laughs> yeah. a lawn dart and an epic crash. But yeah, but those are my birds for now. My, my fleet is really slim. I, I normally try to keep about five or six helicopters, flyable helicopters in the fleet, but, uh, but that's what the winter's for. So I'm going to put together a few birds in the winter to, to kind of beef it back up. Do you find that when you have more than five or six, you end up just wrenching on something? Cause there's always something to, to mess always. with. Always. Yeah. Always. I spent a lot of time, my electronics too, like in the radio and FBL, just kind of playing with settings and stuff. So yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Funny you talk about five or six or whatever, the, the right number of helis. I used to store all my helicopters in like SAB helicopter bags and I finally hung them on the wall like a couple months ago. You know, I just been building the Tron Advance right now, which is pretty much done. Uh, and the wife walked into my office today and she was like, you have kind of a lot of helicopters. Have you always had this many? And I was like, damn it, I should have left them in bags. <laughs> yes, um, of course. <laughs> I actually, I saw that your video is. of the, the dad joke thing, the orange you joke. Yeah, what, that what was. was. What was the joke? Oh, it was, it was a terrible joke about Orange it Glad. It was a terrible dad joke. Uh, <laughs> Aren't you glad I bought helicopters or something yes, like that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Orange. <laughs> but we, I use the same thing. I have mine hung on the wall with old blades like that with a spacer. Right. My only stuff. comment was the headless Tronsman. <laughs> it's all that, yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of stuck out. <laughs> That's a, a random thought, but I don't understand how like every helicopter manual obviously you don't have to follow the manual perfectly like it has you bolt the head on in the main shaft right away and i'm like no i want to like level the squash <laughs> get all of my setup done except mm -hmm. for pitch and then i'll bolt the head on it just is out of the way it's easier to wire and there's just less stuff there so yeah but when you um, first start and you're building a kit you just can't freaking wait to put it together like i couldn't imagine waiting to put the electronics in mm -hmm. oh yeah totally and that's normal yeah. right plus we also follow the manual like gospel because we don't know any better so we assume it's step by step mm -hmm. versus like yeah what do you mean backward kenny most of mine when i build them i build them backwards i just build it and then i mess with putting the servos in later mm -hmm. unless it's a weird position like where you can't get to it like an odd throttle server where you gotta mount it yeah. you know on the inside with the backer plate nuts and stuff otherwise i build the kit and then i'll put the servos on later i totally that's don't my have biggest fear i think i get tangled up with the wires when they're hanging out there if you have ones like i mean the you know experts and pro tech uh, stuff yeah. you can pull the wires off but some of them that you can't then you it's kind of in the way where you got to zip tie them ahead of time and then you may have to change that you know later yeah yeah i uh was just battling through that recently on the on the tron advance build and you know when they have you put a servo in in like the first couple steps and you're like i hate that but i live in fear of not being able to install it later a anytime you've owned a logo and you've dealt with trying to oh, yeah retrofit something later you're like Wah. after building a bunch of the trons if you leave the top plates off and like where the server or the, the fly bar that goes up front you can get to those front servos even if it's a nitro and you can leave them all out because most of them are fairly simple if you're running the fly bar up front you can just run the wires you know two on each side 
directly on the side of the um, main shaft, you know, just right up to the center on the top. And it's real simple. Um, most of the stuff can be accessed once it's assembled on those kits, just because of the angled um, swash plate servos in the front, you know, in the rear, there's enough mm-hmm. to get to from each side to put the elevator in and stuff. So yeah, that's a, those kits are fairly easy to wait till later, but you know, there's some that do require putting them in ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I tell you, I, I've said this a million times, but all I want for Christmas this year is a servo with a programmable center point and a removable servo lead. Because, like, yeah, even after installing servos and wrapping up the servo lead and, you know, putting a wire tie around it just to keep it out of the way, I'm like, this is really annoying. Especially because I put experts on my last build because, and I just forgot how awesome removable servo leads are. Yeah. And the fact that, like, I can put a little tiny short servo lead on the elevator servo that's right next to the FBL and not have mm-hmm. a ton of extra wire, which I just had on the advance because it's got betas in it. Anyway, I digress, yep. but yes, <laughs> right on. So touched a little bit on fleets and backgrounds. Uh, I want to kind of move into electronics wait, 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 a little wait, bit. Nick, you didn't tell us about your fleet. About your oh. fleet, yeah. And you didn't do that oh. yet. Yeah, I, uh, I had a problem with my fleet in that I am constantly rotating. I mean, there's many factors as to why I'm not a terribly good pilot, but one of them is that I enjoy building and changing helicopters so much that I never settle into one model and just focus on advancing and learning and progressing because I just love that side. I like the the side of playing with models and electronics and buildings is just as addictive for me as flying. So right now I've got a raw 700 electric and nitro. I have a raw 580 electric and a raw 580 nitro in a box. That'll be a winter build. Oh, cool. Um, and I've kind of standardized among the raw platform because it's just been really easy to work on, easy to break down for travel. Uh, it's 100% and how just, I ended up there too. It's just super easy to work on. It's just, I don't know, I've had the least, out of all the helicopters I've tried, I've had the least amount of problems or issues with those RAWs. It's just mm-hmm. a solid platform, and it just works for me. Uh, I have a Logo 700 that I have a love-hate relationship with. I love the thing in the air. I hate to wrench on it. Every time I'm praying something, I curse it. I've yep. tried to sell it multiple times and changed my mind. I just And when I bought the Trot Advance, I'm like, I'm going to pull the electronics, hang it on the wall, and just look at it for the rest of my life. And then I couldn't even do that, so I left electronics in it, so it's still flyable. I take it out every now and then, and but I'm definitely afraid of crashing it. Uh, and I have the Tron Advance 95% built. Uh, I just got the electronics in it today, so I just have to bolt the head on, do the rest of the setup, clean up a couple things, and it'll be ready to maiden uh, within a week. Fake. Is that your first Tron? It is. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, well... We'll do a review on that model as well, but, uh, you know, spoiler, I'm super impressed with the fit and finish on it and the build. Um, you know, there are some cons, manual, uh, but uh, anyway, really enjoyed it for sure. Um, really looking forward to getting that, back out of there. that thing out at the Southwest Heli Rodeo, and it looked real good. And you can hear the difference in those gears. The new gears sound great. Yeah. I've, uh, we have a few guys in the Atlanta area flying trons who've been super happy with them. Um, yeah. So I've been watching theirs fly really well and was like, I gotta try this. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to, t- to talk with Joachim uh, last year and he just made a really amazing impression one of the founders of Tron on me and was like, I gotta try these things. So 
I don't know, I heard like six months ago when the advance was going to come out. I was like, that's the one. I'm going to wait for that one to come out. It'll be the slightly upgraded 7.0 and I'm going to buy that and try it. Here we are. There was a uh, old heli crew that used to fly near me. It, we call them the Grapevine crew. And uh, they all kind of took a hiatus and recently came back into the hobby. And Ben and I were out flying when they kind of started getting back into it. And they all bought Trons and they are constantly throwing it in my face like, you're only flying SAB and everyone cool is flying drones. <laughs> so. I'm on a few years on my 7.0 now and it's still going great. I mean, I've yeah. hit the ground and went through some landing skids and things like that. And a, a boom from a boom uh, blade strike just from crashing. But most of the stuff's original. Like, I don't even think I've bent the main shaft or anything on it. I've just replaced skids and one lower side frame that I hit really hard. My ESC shut off one time after like three or four months of owning it and just fell from really high. and that was when it bent the boom and stuff, but mainly it's on all original stuff, original belt and gears. And they crash well too, right? With the way those plastic flame frame spacers are great. Yeah. That one, even when it hit so hard, it, it broke four or five of those um, Delrin spacers that slide into the frame, but it only cracked a little tiny corner on the bottom. So I went ahead and replaced it, but it technically could have been just CA and used, you know? Yeah. But it holds up pretty well. And those give out at the right, you know, time that they should. They're totally solid kits. You know, frame spacers. I need to find another Tron Advance in the world and count the frame spacers installed in it because I have been through the manual 97 times. I've looked through the frames to where anyone might go and I have one extra frame spacer. I think it's just an extra one in my kit because I'm convinced I didn't miss one. But It'd be nice when you have it sitting on your bench, you're like, this is weird. I don't think they would send a spare frame spacers. Is it know, one of the blocks like that the break. trays lay on top of? No. I mean, I have those as well. Like, there's a few of those under the other trays, but... Yeah, like, the um, it's not a rectangular with the holes in it? No, it's just the regular old, you know, frame spacers that go, like, standalone. Hmm. Yeah, I know some of the kits do come with those, and some of them are spares for the extra, like, the XT60 or 90 plugs that they provide, like, on the little plate and things like that. I didn't use a few of those. I know I ended up... Oh, with do they have spare. a plug-in battery tray thing also? Um, the night, the nitro does for sure on the front, you can use the, I think it's an XT60 for like your, um, receiver pack. You can mount it underneath where the FBL tray is, or you can not use it either way, depending on what you want to do. Nice. Just to tidy up the wiring. I love all that stuff, man. These little, these little developments in the hobby that are just convenience developments, like plugs that mount to things or trays that slide in and plug themselves in like i'm all for that little advancement kind of stuff it's awesome it's cool that we're seeing that stuff too because all the new models are so they're pretty robust everything flies really good these days there's you're not like worried about it breaking in the air for the most part yeah i feel like there's not there's not a lot of duds coming out these days if any honestly right on the trons as long as you loctite everything you're good a lot of people in the beginning were losing the little pull tabs for like your battery tray release the little uh you know the washer on there that's on the the finish washer oh, yeah, has to be to loctited yeah. yeah same yeah. with the canopy ones and people just didn't they overlooked it because they thought it was pre-assembled but it was it needed to be loctite also yeah yeah there's almost no pre-assembly i mean all the all the assemblies come pre-assembled from the factory for you to take apart loctite and reassemble but like there's nothing they've done for you like in terms of pre-assembly maybe Correct. one thing um, yeah so even you like really... your swash plate bolts on the tiny ones on the top and underneath you yep. need to do all those just to be safe Yep. Is SAB the only one sending out kits that aren't pre-assembled that you have to take apart and reassemble now? No, I don't think XL Power pre-assembles anything. It's just um, all in baggies with XL Power, yeah. It's all separate yeah. baggies. Yeah, right. 
SAB green Loctite's a lot of bearings in and stuff too, which helps. But at the, and the opposite of that, the Tron stuff, you know, being pre-assembled kind of saves you time because you know how it goes already. You can kind of spread it out on the table sure. and just yeah. put it right back together. You don't have to like dig through that bag of parts in a pile. It helps a little bit. We could, we could turn this into the Tron advanced review episode right now, but a lot I want to cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we got to save some, uh, some of that stuff. But so next thing I kind of want to hit on is radios and fly wireless systems uh, in terms of what do you guys fly? So, Ryan, let's hit you first because I don't think it's a secret. Um, what do you fly for your primary radio and uh, fly wireless these days? Um, I am flying Futaba Electronics, so I fly the T16 and T16IZ um, transmitter system, um, and I use the CGY760R fly wireless units. What's unique about you is you started with the Futaba 32NZ, right, which is their flagship radio, and then actually found a I new did. love for the 16IZ. Yeah, I did. You know, so I bought that 32MZ used, um, and it was originally purchased from RC Japan. So it was kind of, you know, Japan regulated, so to speak, like we have FCC here in the States. Um, so what I came to find out was um, technically I, I, I couldn't use that radio for competition because it oh. wasn't FCC compliant. They, do they um, actually check that, or is that something that you just decided I wasn't going to? They're supposed to check it. Um, if, if they would check it in nationals, if when you go to do nats, but you know any of the other local um, events, they probably don't check it. But I wanted it to be official, right? I wanted it to right. be compliant or whatever, and try to sell it. <laughs> yeah. And and at first it was it was difficult. So I figured, you know what, I'll just fly it low in my local field or whatever. And um, then I ran into that was a gimbal issue that um, they issued uh, kind of a callback for, right? A recall for to, to get it fixed. And of course, Futaba USA wouldn't touch a radio that was bought in a different country. So I, I tried to go through the logistics of getting it back to Japan. And it was going to be way too expensive to deal with it. So I figured, you know what, I'll just use it here locally, like I said, but I'm going to get me another system. And um, I bought the 16IZ after reading up on it. I'm like, it's the same software. You know, I mean, the hardware is different, of course. Um, but yeah, let me you know, give it a shot. Bearing, right? Yeah. I thought, let me give it a shot. And I gave it a shot. And I hated it in the beginning because the, the spacing of the switches were too narrow. So my fingers couldn't fit between them. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to make this thing my own. So I wind up removing the back switches at the top. I had a little lead weight inside of it to, to give it a heavier feel. And um, yeah, now I like it. I love it. You know, I bought another one as a backup now. So I have two 16 IZs that I use. You, you got to have backup every, you know, that's, that's the F3C guys tell you. Oh, I have a backup for everything. So, you know, backup bird, backup transmitter. And, and again, so yeah. Uh, CGY 760R and all of my birds. So I've grown a lot of it. It's, it's a good system. I, I, I love it. So I love that you weighted your transmitter, that you were like, this doesn't feel heavy <laughs> enough in my hands. I'm going to put lead weight in my transmitter. Um, it was really light, you know? And, and I was like, well, and I think with the 32MZ, I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful radio. It feels great in your hands. It's, it's definitely heavy enough, I think, because it has more hardware inside of it as well. You know, you have two 
um, of the LED screens, right, to, to, to view the um, telemetry up top and then just work the functions at the bottom. And the 16iZ lacks that top screen. So when it's lacking that, I mean, I guess you, you, you get rid of that weight as well. So it was really light. So just adding some of those lead strips inside um, made it feel pretty good. That's why I did What about uh, other fly wireless systems, Brian? Do you have any experience with any others? I do. So I actually started with Spectrum, right? When I first got back into the hobby, uh, I bought a DX8 radio system um, and used the uh, 6250HX um, fly barless system that they have. And, um, you know, just I guess it was just going through its evolution as well. And a lot of the software updates, um, I, I had a uh, like a, a really bad mishap with my tail. Um, that we later discovered it was probably from one of the software updates. So I just, you know, a lot of the guys talked me into VBAR. So I said, all right. So I kind of upgraded my system and went to the VBAR Touch with the Neos at the time. And, uh, and I flew that for about, I don't know, maybe six months, seven months. Um, this is how I got into the F3C stuff too. The guys kind of taught me the differences between the system. And it wasn't that, you know, one system's better than the other. It's, it's the type of characteristics you're looking for out of your flight style, right, with F3C. And um, if Futaba just offered more finer settings, I made the switch to Futaba at that point. But, yeah, I had fun with VBAR. It was, you know, really intuitive, uh, easy to use. It, it's, a, it's a great system. And, and it's, you know, primarily the, the, the you know, the most... Uh, more pilots fly VBAR than probably any other system. So, but I've helped guys with VBAR systems set up for F3C and they fly it perfect, right? Um, especially to start. Like I said, but I'm wide open to trying other systems. Uh, I, I really look forward to that uh, Spirit Wave that's coming out soon. Mm, looks cool. Um, I want to give that a shot and see, uh, you know, how it plays out. But, uh, but do yeah. you want to try the Spirit Wave on its own or do you have to have the radio to try it? Yeah, I mean that's uh, so. So the Spirit Wave is the radio, and, okay, it, and it pairs with the, the GTR, right? The yeah. I think it's the, the Spirit GTR uh, fly barless system um, that it would probably have a great marriage with. So yeah, I'm gonna try the two out and see. Um, so are you, you saying know, that you wouldn't be interested in trying it without the radio though? Like that's what's exciting. Exciting you is the new radio coming out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I had to do the research to see, you know, is the radio acting more of just kind of a, um, you know, just a pass through to the FBL? Does it not have any functionality on top of the FBL like the Futaba system does? No, I, I mean, really if it acts that, like yeah. a V-bar, right? If yeah. it, where, where everything is just really controlled from the fly bar um, system, then and, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, you don't need the transmitter at that point. Yeah, we'll see. I'll just do more research on it. I don't know, though. I feel like this whole idea of an ecosystem is super appealing to me, whether me it's V-Bar or Spirit or whatever. Like, or Futaba, and, right? They have their integration with their fly bars sure. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, that's where the, the in my opinion, that's where the future is at. So the yeah. better we can make that interface and the setup, and I don't know, I'm, I'm stoked. I've been chatting with, yeah. with some folks over there at Spirit. Hope to have one of them on the show um, when they're ready. They're super busy trying to get the thing released right now, so they, they keep kind of putting me off. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm excited to to hear more about that system. Me too. I think it looks and, cool, uh, and maybe get our hands on a on a test radio. We'll see. Uh, I just love hearing about works. new stuff being developed in the hobby. 
Yeah. And it's not stagnant. Absolutely. Like that's really exciting. Absolutely. Which is crazy when you think about how little financial reward awaits you to develop uh, yeah. a brand new radio and fly wireless system. You know, mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show you the love for the hobby that the people that are in it have too. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and Absolutely. that's what makes it all awesome. That's what makes the yeah. community awesome for sure. Nobody's in this to get rich, right? Because it's fun. Yeah, I saw that transmitter, and it kind of looks like it makes it easier to, you know, to interface with the flybarless unit. It's, it's definitely going to be a similar, you know, ease of setup mm-hmm. like VBAR is. There's a lot that's unique about that whole system. Plus, you can r- fly a simulator on your radio screen with no computer attached, apparently. I'm curious what that's going yeah, to be terrible. like as well. I don't know. Could I'm be just getting to the age where, like, I I could use reading glasses maybe soon, and I could imagine holding that radio up trying to see the freaking model on the screen, going, "Where are my glasses?" <laughs> <laughs> I know it feels like the helicopter would be pretty small, but hey, who knows? Maybe it's raining and you're waiting on the shower to pass, and yeah, you're out of stuff to talk about with your buddies. But when does that happen? <laughs> um, uh, so, Kenny, what about you? What's uh, what are you currently flying for radio and fly wireless? Uh, currently, I'm kind of transitioned over to where i'm mostly i got four 760s also i'm using kind of like brian and i still leave a few on icon twos you know there's always new updates and features and they fly well you know once you have them set up and everything so i kind of go back and forth between the two while i'm flying but mainly it ends up being on a 760 i'm flying right now i didn't know i don't know enough about icon i've stopped following i'm, I'm sorry i flew icon in the past also are they still developing new stuff for it? Is there still updates coming out for that? Uh, it's, yeah, it was kind of stagnant a few years ago, but and it might have been just a COVID thing. They didn't do anything for a while, but there's been a lot of updates in the past four to six months, and it's mainly additional stuff for telemetry usage. And um, they've added a few different, um, like the OMP ESC is now covered on there. So if you're using that, you can see the telemetry, like the temperature and RPM. Oh, really? and, everything on your screen and, and a bunch of others that they've added like hobby hobby wing and overall all of them have been added in the past few years to where you have you know full telemetry and um stuff like that that helps a lot and you know you can do forward programming type of a thing like spectrum has where you can you know that's been around for a while too where you can program and set your icon while you're sitting on the ground too you know you can go into okay. menus and change gains and all that kind of stuff right there from the radio What's, uh, what transmitters are you using? I know you, you've got some Spectrum ones. Is that all you're flying right now? Yeah, I, I bounce back and forth on those two. I use an IX14 right now for the icons, and I'm uh, running an I, a 16IZ Futaba for all the 760s also. Nice. Both great radios. And do you speak VBAR as well? Speak VBAR also, yeah. Used to run four or five VBARs before I kind of started getting the 760s, and I slowly morphed over and deleted a few V bars over the years. It's just, I have more fun too with it. Like how Brian said, you know, getting into the tuning, you can adjust a lot of, it's more hands-on tuning than it is, you know, where you can just set it and, and go fly. I mean, you can, but you can tweak small adjustments you want to and everything through the 760 and, you know, some of the other ones like that with uh, a lot of the minor, you know, adjustments that they have in them. You do have more than three banks with the Putaba setup. Yeah, you can set up uh, all kinds oh, yeah. of um, <laughs> conditions and everything. Yeah, the flexibility of that system is insane. There's just about no scenario you can't create with enough thought. I'll say on my Nitro, I, I, like they don't, the 760 doesn't have a soft start for Nitro. 
So I programmed like a throttle delay in there, which you can use. It works exactly the same as a soft start with Futaba. So you just flip out a hold and the throttle, you know, smoothly and gradually increases and you can set that speed however you want with the throttle servo delay. What sensor do you like to use for, for nitro governor? Uh, I'm the 760s. I run the back plate. I mean, it, it seems to mix really well with the flybarless unit. Is that a, but, is that a Futaba backplate sensor? Or is that yeah, a and it's, I'm okay. using the Futaba model one. I mean, you can get the Augie sensor also. I think there's a couple okay. other ones, but uh, that one seems to work pretty decent, you know, as long as you have it glued in correctly and everything and stays put. But uh, on the other nitros, if I'm using Icon 2, I'll just run a standard, like a line type sensor and magnets. Seems to work well, as long as that's in position also and your magnets don't fly out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're on the subject of nitro, OS or YS? OS. I mean, I've tried YS a few times, and I had the power tune motor and everything, and they work great, but I'm still, you know, I just like the ease of OS tuning and everything, and the the YS worked great with that on, on there, but I'm just more at home with OS motors, I think. Right on. I, I still want to try the YS thing. I haven't done it. I'd say the 91 and 96 is a good choice. The 120 is just a fuel guzzler, you know, it's, there's really no need for it, but. I would say stick with the, one of the two smaller engines if you're going to give it a shot. I would plan on probably doing the 96 if I was able to find it, but I don't know how available all that stuff is either. So I haven't really, I haven't dove into that very far. I feel like I, I listen to the smarter Nitro people in the Atlanta area, like chat about YS engines and they scare me off of it. So not intentionally, I mean, they all but go I just on and on like, about how it's better, right? The power is better. At a cost so. of, well, and I'm just parroting what I've heard, at a cost of fussiness and more careful tuning and a greater risk of blowing stuff up, which I'm like, I don't want to blow that stuff up. I'm not into <laughs> Then OS 105 does just run every time, so. Yeah. So Alex, same question for you, man. What are you, uh, what are you flying for a radio and fly routes? I mean, I'm a Mikado junkie, dude. Like, at our field, there was a guy that had been struggling in helicopters for a long time. And he had the spirit set up with like the hard deck and the GPS and all this stuff, uh, trying to make it work. And I was trying to help him with it. Like he had a jetty radio and all this stuff. And I, I have a jetty radio also that I use for, uh, airplanes and my micros and stuff. And I just kind of, kind of finally went, dude, um, will you just, we just buy a V bar. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I have two, like Brian, I have two radios because I travel with them. And I want to have a backup radio in case something happens to one. So uh, I even offered to like, let's use that first, right? But uh, he ended up finding one used and picking up a Neo. And within, you know, a week, he had it set up and we were flying. And he was going, I've never been able to fly a helicopter and this flies great. So for, for me, for coming from the struggles that I had working alone and then the ease of use of the, the V-Bar system is... For me amazing yeah. and i really didn't have a v-bar I, I was flying icon until i went to i think they were i think makata usa had them at orlando helicopter blowout like in 2016 i think is when they first came out and i remember holding the radio and looking at ron and i was like this is what i want can i have this <laughs> one and it was like the only one in the u.s at the time uh so as soon as i picked one of those up oh. and i because i was always bringing my laptop out to the field and i was flying with those airplane guys and they were going you have to bring a computer with you to fly your thingy dingy that's that's cute you're funny <laughs> and uh my models were flying better almost immediately right when you had that that true integration and being able to yeah. 
change gains and I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I, from what I had thought from reading, you want to run the highest gain possible on everything. Well, that just leads to bobbles and all sorts of stuff. And so with the laptop thing, I was constantly having to change it. And again, that was without a community and people helping me. So for me, when I discovered that, like my flying took off, I was able to enjoy it more. I don't want to say it, set it and forget it. There's still plenty of stuff in there that you can play with. But I've also gone down the path of messing with that stuff and making it worse. And going to an event and like my stuff is flying terrible. And I uh, handed my radio to someone uh, out of the Virginia Fun Fly. And he, goes, he, like, he like fixed it for me. And I went, that's like the stock settings. <laughs> so. <laughs> he just reverted everything? Yes. Yeah. It was almost like stock. But I, I, I love the, the bindability and all that stuff. And being able to go to, if, if someone's at a Fun Fly or you're somewhere and they says, say, either fly my model or help me with my model. I run weird switches. And when you fly someone else's stuff with weird switches that are not your switches, landing is a thing. Like you're going, how do I turn this thing off? And that, if you're flying, like for me, when I'm flying someone else's stuff, it, it's a little nerve wracking to me. I don't want to crash their stuff. So being able to buddy box and all that stuff has been huge at my field. V-Bar has been fantastic to me. And I sim with my radio and do all that stuff with my radio. So I'm totally a Mikado junkie. Uh, that being said, I was... Uh, I end up I end up talking to Ben quite a bit just from going to different events that he's at, and a lot of that's with Doug uh, being so close to him. So him and I have become pretty close talking, and um, he's like he's like the Futaba whisperer to me. <laughs> so uh, at the last fun fly, Doug had put new servos in his line, uh, torque servos for him, and he set that thing up with new servos in like fifteen minutes or something, and it was flying. And so when he was just in town, he. He, he was here for the fun fly that I just that I told you guys about uh, at this greater Southwest Aero Modelers, and uh, it was a, it was supposed to be a one day event, is what we thought. And we were sitting there together at Southwest Heli Rodeo, and he goes, "I got to pack all my stuff to go to that." And I go, "Well, just fly mine." And he was like, "Okay, fine." So he flew into town. I hand him my radio, and he's like, "This feels weird because it's on on V Bar." And Doug has a sixteen IZ and a seven sixty. And so I sold Ben. I was like, well, just set my model up on that. So currently I have Doug's 16IZ and one model on Futaba that I'm playing with. Uh, and it's definitely different and not bad and not good. They're both just, they both fly great. So, but it's, I'm having fun messing with that and learning. And the conditions that you guys are talking about are super interesting. And the tunability, and from what I understand, you can change not just with Expo, but you can change how fast it accelerates to the degrees per second that you tell it to mm-hmm. do. And some of the tunability and feature there are super cool. So, yeah, it is pretty neat. No doubt it's insanely powerful and limitless in what you can tune or the, the <laughs> level of depth you want to take tuning. Yep. And I'm, I'm, and with my Jetty radio that I use to fly the, like the, uh, the S1 and the S2, you have to have that little receiver on. Well, the S1's pretty small. Like, I know it's only like 10 grams to add that receiver, but it's a pretty small helicopter. And flying it on Futabo that did bind and fly, like the old days with Spectrum and the Blade helicopters, is super cool. So, mm. I do like that a lot. It is funny. Uh, I remember, I think it was the S2. I tried Futaba briefly. I should really try it again, but I... I 
got a, a way to buy a 32M Lee at a pretty good price. So I was flying my Goose Guy S2 on this 32M Lee, and I'm like, this is so wrong. <laughs> that <laughs> like is so a, wrong. Ridiculously expensive radio on a tiny, cheap micro. Um, if I end up buying a Vitaba radio, dude, I'm selling my jetty. I'm putting my sailplanes. I have a I have a discus launch glider and a sailplane. That's basically all I use my jetty radio for. And the, that's one and S2. So I would strip all that out and just change it all over. No, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, that's awesome. I love the uh, the diversity of radios and fly wireless. And most of all, the desire and openness to be willing to try other systems and form mm-hmm. opinions on them. That's awesome. That can only mean good things. Have you flown Icon and stuff like that also? Or have you, you didn't no. tell us what your experience was? So I started with micros. So running, you know, whatever FBL was included in the OMPs and yeah. the blade stuff. And then got into the 6250 briefly on Spectrum. And then... Is that the Spectrum very- Flybarless unit? Yeah. yeah, I've only ever flown one of those, and it was, it was not as good as what I wanted it to be. It was fine. <laughs> ah, listen, you don't have to hold back. You can be a hundred percent truthful. Hold back. Exactly. There's nothing but <laughs> our opinions, and they're all valid. It was terrible. But the guy, <laughs> the guy that had it, he was like super excited, and I was like, "Yeah, if, if you like it, that's all that really matters, you know? Yes, it flies great." So, and he was flying it really well too. So, I know what you said about V bar really resonated with me because I bought while I was still flying solo and hadn't met anyone yet. Yeah. I bought a V control and I watched uh Ron's videos on how yep. to set one up because yep. I had no other anything to reference. Yeah. And was like, this is so easy. And my first big helicopter an XL Power five fifty. And it flew at the time fantastic right out of the box with no tuning intervention. And it I was like granted it was the first big heli so the step up in stability was amazing but on v control it was even more like whoa this is what yeah. it's supposed to feel like this is awesome and i suddenly understood how people were able to do some of these maneuvers because it was you know it sat there it was it stable like it, was it amazing. does on the simulator yeah exactly yeah but in terms of other radios i've dabbled with futaba i have an fr sky x20s radio i like to play with I fly a lot of micros all around. It's got a multi-protocol mo- uh, module in it, so I can fly anything. Oh, that's right. I guess we can do the same is... thing with Radio Master 2, right? The same company. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I like that it's ethos. I like to play around in that. So I use that radio for mostly micros and probably sailplanes, because I do plan on purchasing some of those probably next year. We'll see. Anyway, it's my flexible radio that I can fly anything and everything with. I still have some Spectrum transmitters that I fly, some like find and fly foamy stuff like my son has a airplane i'm trying to get him into you know this i'm a couple of spectrum radios so we can buddy box on that i have a bit of a radio problem are there any bind and fly airplanes that are futaba like spectrum did with the horizon brand stuff no no not that i know of not that i know of i know they have that new foamy the skyleaf out right now and you can buy kind of the electronic pack that comes with it pretty simple to link up to a transmitter futaba transmitter but that's the only one I know of. And you, but you got to build it. You got to build the kit and install everything. So, Dude, I am so not an airplane builder. The only planes I have, <laughs> other people have built for me. Because helicopters are mechanical and they're fun. And airplanes are freaking crafty. <laughs> well, I don't know. I like the crafty. Part of me wants to get like a no. balsa kit. No. Only because it'll slow my Ooh. hobby spending way down. Because it takes so long yes, to put the thing oh, together. No, well, it'll just mess up your workshop because you won't be working on it. Because you're building something else on it. Like the sticks will be there <laughs> yeah. and you'll be building something on top of the sticks. 
and this is where I'm fortunate. I have like a workspace in my office that I do hobby stuff. And then uh, I have a whole like giant workbench in the garage that I could, you know, park that balsa thing on until the humidity warps it, I guess. But yeah, that's what I was saying. And I wouldn't want to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I like playing with a lot of different radios. I really am super into integration and all of the benefits there. So I want to try Icon is where I was going with the FR Sky because I know there's some forward programming and integration available. Plus, I feel like so many people fly Icon and I know nothing about it. So that just makes me curious about it. It's so. pretty good too. It has a unique feel to it. Just like Futaba feels like Futaba. V-Bar feels V-Bar. The Icon has its own feel too. But the Spirit Wave radio may win out over trying Icon. The next new system I try. Just super intrigued by that. I like the developers of that radio. I like that they're accessible. They've been interacting with people on Facebook and Helifreak. And who's the guy that has it? What's his name? Uh, Dima. Dima. He is super helpful too. Yeah. Like, yeah, he is. He's a good dude. To see he's feedback. At least my understanding is that he's working hand in hand with the developers, especially you know on testing and working on the integration and usability of it, and really trying to help them make it better and better. So everything I've heard from Dima so far sounds awesome. He helped yeah. me figure out how to get my jetty to link up to the s2 so thank you nice that's out the diva good dude yeah. casper the friendly ghost favorite phone flies is the next subject i want to touch on here i know there's so many i love that we have folks from different regions although kenny and alex and you too brian are, are not afraid to travel to hit one uh but yeah. let's start with uh kenny here favorite phone flies uh favorites i like hitting spring fling and the fall mowdown those are pretty fun i'd say they're on the top a lot of people there, you know, and a lot of, you know, you got three or four different directions you can fly in at the field, which is nice too, depending on the time of day. And it's, it's just a nice field and a good group of people that's there usually. Right on. Anything, uh, like what is your ideal fun fly? Like what draws you to it? Do you, like, it sounds like you're, you're drawn to the ones with larger pilot counts. Uh, I guess it yeah, depends. I mean, one. some of the fun, yeah, some of the fun flies that are smaller fun too. It's cause you get to. And that, that's the place where you usually will see more people that, you know, would need help with uh setup and stuff like that. You get more time in that scenario also. But I guess it's just being able to see all the people that you, you know, talk to online and catch up mm-hmm. with everybody at the bigger fun flies, which makes it fun too. Big enough, that's where we spent a lot of time together recently was at my favorite fun fly, which is uh, the Dragonfly fun fly in uh, yeah, North Carolina. So, yeah. Where Kenny helped me get my nitro in the air. Uh, which was my first nitro. So thanks, oh, Kenny, for nice. all the help on that. No problem. Yep, I was I was surprised you got it done and ready to go that quick. Yeah, I, I built that helicopter basically at the fun fly because I got there on a Wednesday, and I think I'd started it a little, but we we're supposed to get a lot of bad weather, so I brought a kit with me, and then I just got really into staying up stupid late and working on the thing. Finished it and made it at the fun fly, which was super fun. But Kenny was a uh, a huge help when I got to the basically the engine part, and I'm like, okay, I have this thing that I'm supposed to bolt in, and <laughs> I ask lots of smart people good questions, but I'm a little lost as to which direction this runs and whatever. And anyway, Kenny was Dude, putting help, together so. a nitro or gas machine after only flying electric is a totally different experience for sure. Yeah, there's stuff you have. There's key things you have to know, you know, just to be careful, like throttle setup and things like that that you gotta go over with people, even if they think they know what they're doing, just to make sure they've got it correct before they take off, you know. You might flip into idle one and be full throttle instantly, you know? <laughs> yeah. And having someone like you help look it all over and help translate what I'd heard on videos or on podcasts into like tactile knowledge was, was big. So that was awesome. But I love that fun fly because it's just, 
usually around 70 pilots. It's a beautiful facility, huge field, lots of flight stations, and it just has a really laid back vibe, which I really like. I'm kind of drawn to that versus uh, the big, big ones. But uh, what about you, Alex? Favorite phone plus? All right. So I love, I like the big events. Like to me, when I go to uh, Spring Fling or something where there's like 60 plus pilots, it's fun to watch what's going on, right? There's so much mm-hmm. action all the time. But uh, I mean, I don't know what it is about Southwest Heli Rodeo. And I feel like I'm offending people when I tell them like this. I feel like bad. Like I know these organizers work hard on their events. Uh, there's something magical about the desert in Arizona. If you ever ask me about it, like I tell you, it makes me feel like I'm in middle school. Like I call it middle school magic. Like you're out there. I don't, it's the dirt and the weather is always amazing in November and the sun setting and seeing the red form on the horizon. I don't know. I, I, I love the Southwest Valley Radio. Obviously, I love the people there also. And what's really cool about going to different events and stuff like that is seeing those people and you kind of become friends and you're like you. It's funny how you hit it off with someone who you haven't seen in years over guys do this, right? We, we have one thing in common and so we're great friends. And it's just amazing to me. So I, I love the South of the Hill Rodeo. Ken's Ranch is also super cool. And, but, but I would call those fun flies like it's not a commercialized feeling thing. Like I almost feel like Spring Fling's like a mini Urcha sometimes. Like there's so many people there and vendor booths and all that stuff set up. And it's not like that at these smaller ones. So the smaller ones to me are fun. Yeah. You're totally selling me on the Southwest Heli Rodeo. That's definitely on my top like list yeah. of two, maybe three fun flies I want to travel to. Um, I love it. I'll say this. For sure. On the East Coast, they party, right? Like they party, dude. And the West Coast events, I don't feel like it's the same party atmosphere, but you still get plenty of people flying. There's this guy... Uh, Sean that, that he like hides down at the end of the runway and flies these technical flights the whole time and then at night once the crowds kind of died down and goes away he flies back to back to back only doing like 360 degree tick-tocking circles or um, rolling circles in all four directions and just constantly working on these really technical maneuvers and it's I was, I was hanging out with him last time and it was super fun doing that so it was cool nice sounds awesome that plus sunsets plus good weather in November, I'm sold. It's not just that, but the scenery there is cool. So uh, Max, one of the guys that's that's local to here, went there with us, and he towed uh, in his trailer that he brings his like his side by side, and they were gone for eight hours in the mountains. He rode forty miles. Friday morning, he got up, left at like six, and came back after lunch, and he was like, "Dude, there was some like technical." driving and stuff like we're looking down the side of the mountain while i'm going around this this uh trails and stuff like that so there's there's a lot of cool things my wife goes to that with me the town's cool i'm gonna just sell this up i'm sorry i'm gonna go on and on and on about this place i freaking love superior arizona that place is so cool so that's awesome yeah awesome and i know uh we definitely have to hear more from you on that front on that fun fly and uh hear a little bit in future episodes for sure i can go on and on sorry (laughs) <laughs> all right if you say sorry one more time i'm gonna accuse you of being canadian um <laughs> i don't know what that's a boot <laughs> like a boot <laughs> now we know why you don't have a texan accent uh, uh brian favorite fun play you know despite the drama i will say that i really enjoy going to urcha I-, I like it because there is this variety of 
all the various aspects of uh, RC helicopters. Um, I love to hang out at the big scale tent to see all the beautiful scale birds. I love to go up the vendor line and chit chat with all of the vendors and their products and just seeing some of those people you see online, you know, I, I love Urcha. It's, it's a pretty cool event, you know, despite what happens behind the scenes to see all of the pilots and, and watch them put on some incredible flights. It's amazing. It's that is exactly a spectacle, amazing. right? That's a, that's a sight to see yeah. for sure. Absolutely. So, you know, hopefully, you know, things iron out and, and it's what everyone hopes it to be in the future to continue to be a great event. So I, I really enjoy Urch. I really do. I'll say I haven't gotten, I don't really get to attend Urch. I've been once and it's during the summer and I'm busy at work during that month yeah. and it just doesn't work for me. So yeah. I wish I got to go to that. I'm in the same boat. Literally my like biggest client, especially every year puts their biggest project in the year. It's like they call the AMA and Urcha and be like, hey man, what are you doing <laughs> this week? And then it's boom. And it's like a two week long thing. And it's not like I could go for a day or any of it. Fingers crossed next year that won't happen. Kenny, do you usually get to go? Yeah, I've been going since 2014 or 15 regularly. I just, it's only a few hour drive for me, like two hours and 20 minutes. So uh, yeah, it's well, not too horrible. And I stay there for three or four days usually. 14 hours for us. I've looked, I wanted to drive it in one day and she said, no, it was like Friday afternoon. And I went, I'm going to drive overnight to there. <laughs> no, you're not. I did Cincinnati to Vegas once. That was rough. Yeah. yeah. But, but I will say this, Nick, I mean, for, uh, let's just say for a smaller fun fly, um, I, I, I really like and enjoy the triple tree, uh, mm. fun fly over in South Carolina. The facility is great. You know, the, the amenities that they have there is an incredible. Um, the events that they put on, you know, for the fun fly is really cool. The sliding auto contest is great. You know, it's one of the fun favorites over there. So um, I, I would say Triple Tree, because I can get them confused with Triple Creek, but Triple Tree is, is another one of those really fun ones to go to. Yeah, Heli Extravaganza. Heli Extravaganza, there you go. There you I've go. never gotten yep. to go there. I've only been to that uh, venue one time for Joe Nall. Like I said, I was hanging out with the airplane guys. Yeah. I would love to go to that one. I, I, want, I want to go there for a heli event. That venue is probably also a magical feeling. It is. It really is. <laughs> it really is. That's another it fun really play you can go to for a long time, too. I think you can usually arrive Wednesday and kind of stay through late Sunday. but mm -hmm. uh, And just hang out and enjoy the property and then enjoy the spectacle that is Saturday when everybody's there. And that's, a, that's a fun event. All right. This next one, I want to just kind of get out of the way. And, you know, like I said, in the, in the teaser episode, it's not something I want to focus on a it or anything, but just because we're going to be evaluating equipment and, and different things, I think it's important to kind of just disclose any sponsorships, shout them out a little bit, get them out in the open. So for me personally, I, I uh, represent team Heli Direct and I also uh, fly for EcoDrift Motors. What about, uh, what about you, Brian? Do you have any sponsors? Uh, I am sponsored by uh, Heli Direct as well, and also Team Contronic here in the U.S. Kenny, what about you? Like I mentioned earlier, I went from, um, when I was flying TSA, I ended up on A-Main, and I've been there since about 2015, and uh, that's the main sponsor. I mean, I fly, you know, various, uh, they sell so many different things, so it's kind of a blanket, I would say. I mean, there's all kinds of different, so if you approach me, I've probably used Scorpion, you know, 
when V-Bar was available there and everything you can think of, you know, the icons and they even carry some of the stuff that's, uh, you know, on HeliDirect also. There's there's multiple line products like the Icon 2, which is on both and mainly through them. But then there's the Torque Servos and KSD and all kinds of different stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a variety of stuff. Yeah, no, it's nice when you have access to tons of different products and airframes and, you know, pretty much anything in the hobby. Yeah, it works for me because that's I liked flying and testing and trying different things anyway, which I kind of did anyway initially. So it's like right up my alley to, you know, I'm not constantly changing all the time, but I'll run something for, you know, a couple of years and get to know it well enough that I can do it all the time and program it, which helps me and helps other people in the hobby also. What, uh, what about you, Alex? I mean, I fly for BK Hobbies. Um, I grew up, like, grew up. I watched all these videos growing uh, into the hobby when I first got started watching Bert and Kyle and all that stuff. And I was like a mm-hmm. nerd watching this stuff and slobbering over it. So uh, <laughs> super happy to be a part of that group. And I'm also on the Theta Servo team. It was like putting the putting those in. Uh, and going to a fun fly, I've like had other people that had the exact same gear, and I was like, "You have to try these. Tr- try this for a little bit. Tell me what you think." <laughs> That's another I'll thing I've that. considered using the Theta servos. We carry those too, and I haven't haven't yeah. ran a set of those yet. Dude, I love them. Even if you're not programming them and all that stuff, like turning the the amperage up and stuff like that, you actually can feel that. Like it's super cool. So yeah, yes, yeah, so they have a lot of cool options, like the tu- you know the tuning you can do, and you can reverse everything and change the yeah. speed. Even if you're not messing with the speed, just turning the amps from four to five up, you feel it immediately. It's crazy. Yeah, increase the torque right away. Yeah, it's cool. Fantastic servos. I'm a big fan. Um, I just, the only problem I have is how would Mike Tyson uh, pronounce theta? (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. I don't know. How would Mike Tyson pronounce theta? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I could think of that for a while. I, I don't know. I'm full of those. Sorry. I if it doesn't make, I, maybe it'll make somebody's day here and there when I come up with this stuff. It just comes out of nowhere. Oh, <laughs> we just want you to follow through. We want to hear it. I know. We want to hear it. That's awesome. Man, I secretly hope Theta wins the programmable servo with detachable servo lead rate. Theta Thervos. There you go. Is that, is that good? Thank there we you. go. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I was like, it has to be you that does it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more question, and then we're going to dig into some news because uh, it's starting to get a little later here. What challenges do each of you have? And let's just start with Kenny. Um, I feel like balancing and finding time for the hobby is always a challenge for all of us, whether you have children or not. What, uh, what sort of challenges are you up against, Kenny, in terms of finding time to fly? Mine is, uh, I'd say I have time, you know, two or three days a week, but it's more or less from just, you know, hands-on work that I do that makes you, you come home and you're just like, uh, I'll wait till tomorrow, you know, or maybe I'll go out with just Wednesday this week because you're just tired from just working all day, you know, working, um, you know, build cabinets and stuff like that and countertops. So I'm always doing hands-on stuff, you know, two thirds of the day. So then when I get home, it's, I may come home and work on the helicopter or just adjust something that I was wanting to do for the past couple of days, but then it might be three days, you know, every three or four days when I can get out and fly if I get a chance. 
and in weekends, usually I can find time, maybe one day of the weekend. I love that you touched on professions, something else I want to hit as well as part of this, but I love that you're a cabinet builder. I have mad respect, man. It seems like such a simple thing until you would try to do it yourself. The level of precision and, and finish work in that is, is impressive. I think that's awesome. Secretly, you're, you're living my dream life. I would love to be a cabinet builder, but I think that ship is sailed. <laughs> yeah, it's, you get used to the, I mean, it's, it's like one of precision type things too, you know, you don't, you cut something just to fuzz wrong and, and then all the parts don't fit together. And so it's, it's a constant, like I've done it so many years, I'm used to how to build stuff. And it's actually more difficult if someone comes in and you have to show them how to do it or anything like that, because it's, you know, it's like starting from scratch and it takes a lot of time to get used to doing that kind of stuff. Really. Right on. Uh, Brian, what, uh, what challenges are you up against in terms of managing to find time for the hobby? Uh, now that I'm working, <laughs> um, no, I just, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the days are full and, and though we are kind of empty nesters with our kids grown and gone and off to college, the wife requires a lot of evening time, right? So I have to pick my battles sometimes is when I want to go up to the hobby room to wrench and work on things. Um, she supports the hobby 100%, but she wants her cuddle time too. So giving her that cuddle time and uh, trying to find some time on the weekends that are sometimes extremely busy with us is, is what really challenging for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to find a, you know, hour here and there and cause it takes time, you know, it's just not, you know, let me go up to the room for 30 minutes and do something. No, you wind up spending about two to three hours focused on one area and, you know, before you know it, time's flown by it's like holy shit i've been here for four hours so yeah i mean it's just you, you need that time to do that and, and it's hard to find it sometimes yeah right uh, what uh what do you do professionally uh so i am a, a software engineering lead and um and with this new company i mean, it's pretty much the same thing i did with my last company i um you know lead development teams uh creating um and delivering quality software um this one here is um, a kind of a critical communications company. So they produce websites and services for uh, industries like the healthcare industry and, and, and others um, providing that critical messaging that needs to uh, kind of get transmitted around. So they have a bunch of legacy systems, software systems that um, I'm going to come in and, with others to help kind of modernize. So that's what I do. Cool. Need to start getting you to build the radio software for somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. dude! So let me tell you one thing I did do, and I wish Utaba would kind of open up uh, or provide an SDK, a software developer's kit, right? But I started writing my own um, kind of uh, CGY slash transmitter setup of a model uh, where you input a few points, model name. The, the style of flying that you want to do, um, how ag- agile you want the bird to be, um, other little points like that. Just take you five minutes to just kind of answer this little quick questionnaire, and you press the button, and in three seconds, it will produce all of the settings needed for the transmitter and the CGY, but, you know, but now you just have to kind of manually transfer that over to the system. But if there was some automate, uh, automated fashion I could use with their SDK to get that onto like a, uh, I don't know, a mini US, a little small uh, SD chip to put in the transmit and transfer over. 
that would be phenomenal. Like an so, AI layout system to have it all set up, ready to go. You just have to maybe absolutely. center stuff and go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I still have that. So, Photographer, if you're listening. Yeah. You know, holler at I your think- boy, man. We got something going here. So, so is this, <laughs> um, is this going to be a whole trail? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> do we want to get back? I have so many things, questions about this. I now. know. You know, and, and, and we're setting ourselves up for many detailed discussions on a lot of this stuff, guys. I know we are, but we can get so deep into this. I want to come back to this. Yeah. Let's, right. let's do it in a future okay. time for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as much <laughs> as this episode is about the audience or our listeners, which thank you uh, for listening. Uh, getting to know us. It's also about us getting to know each other because we're four modelers from different backgrounds and, you know, some of us have met, but there's still a lot about each other we don't know. So mm-hmm. we're all discovering curiosities about each other. We're like, mental note must follow up later and hit up uh, Brian on this. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what's... Uh, I know you're in kind of a similar boat to me in terms of like rough age of children and, and demands of an active family. Um, and obviously that's a big draw on both of our times, but, uh, what are your big challenges in finding time for the hobby and what do you do professionally? Dude, I have so many challenges. So professionally, I have uh, an insurance agency that I started in 2008. Uh, so it's been running for a while, but it doesn't run. I don't want to say it doesn't run without me. It can run fine without me, but I still find myself trying to be, uh, an example for the people that are there. So I'm not just absent all the time or, uh, I don't, I, I try not to make it like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go do my thing that you don't really understand flying helicopters, <laughs> uh, or my RC hobby. And you guys let me know if something goes wrong here. Right. I, I don't make it that there. So, um, I, I, I still work a day job. I would say every day, normal, normal hours. Right. And then I also have a 10 year old and a 12 year old and I coach or I assistant coach baseball for my 10 year old. and that takes a lot of time. So there's, if I'm, if, if we're during the season and we're coaching, that's three days a week. And if we're not, we're still having practice and stuff like that outside of that. And I'm spending time with them. And just like you said, Brian, like I, I want to keep my relationship with my wife. I, I have, that's important to me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have that as a priority. Um, I also volunteer at church. I also um, have, I don't know, other things that I do. So fortunately for me the hobby is an obsession and when for example ben um left me this model set up on futaba i freaking could not wait to get out and try it so uh, i did tell my wife what i did today and i told my staff that i had a meeting and i ran out to the field for a couple of hours and met doug and had to try this freaking futaba thing because i've never flown one uh <laughs> so uh the obsession for me is real and it's a real problem it's like the the memes that you see of the guy sitting on the couch and the why the girls like sitting there going, "What he's thinking about another girl," and the guy's like, "He's thinking about Futaba, or, yes, or whatever, <laughs> right? Helicopter won't fly, uh, whatever." That's a real thing for me, so I struggle to stay focused on uh, and be present in what I'm doing and not be lost in my obsession with this thing. Uh, so I have to actively remind myself sometimes, like I'm here. I have this, I still have this like fear of missing out thing. Like I could be at the field with my friends or something while I'm doing other things with my family. And I have to remind myself, I'm here to make a memory of my family. Let's do that right now. This this is going to be fun and they're going to remember it or with my wife or myself for that matter. So, um, 
it's it's definitely hard for me to find time and i struggle even in talking to my friends and things like that like i have to actively know this is my friend time and i need to be reaching out to them this i only have this time to do it so yeah it's hard to keep up with all that at this stage in life that uh that really resonates with me as another small business owner as another you know with a young family uh my kids are uh, about to be eight and uh nine but yeah same things i have similar family demands i have two kids who are crazy athletic and are enrolled in usually two sports each at a time so that's just a, a big challenge you know i don't i don't fly on weekends when everybody else does because that's when my kids have I can't remember the last Saturday or Sunday where we didn't have two games, it feels like, yeah. um, at least, or a soccer tournament or whatever, which is great. And I love that. And I have amazing memories of my family at those sporting events, and they love seeing me there, um, yeah. supporting them. So that's cool. I wouldn't, trade, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I do have a little bit of weekend FOMO sometimes when you're, you know, it's halftime and the kids are busy and you're looking at your phone and you're watching the Atlanta Heli chat blow up because they're all out having fun flying. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, you still find time for it. It's amazing. It is an obsession, and I do make time for it and stay up late to build or wrench and go fly. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing about being the boss of a small business is you can go fly on a Wednesday um, while everyone else is working, as long as you take care of everything else. But gotta uh, meet, so gotta of, go. Yeah, do a lot of midweek flying, uh, which is fine. I also travel for work extensively, so I'm on the road about half the year. Dude, what do you, what is, do, you is, do? I just know that you travel. <laughs> so <laughs> I always use the same example when people ask me this question. So if you picture Steve Jobs standing on a stage somewhere with a big screen behind him talking about whatever new product he was pitching and behind him are a series of graphics of the new iPhone and videos playing, there's someone like me at the back of that room and I'm called the show director for corporate events or a show caller. And I'm the guy that sits at the back of the room in these big arenas, convention centers, whatever, for real high-end, high-dollar corporate events. And nothing happens on screen or on stage until unless I ask. So every camera shot, every audio or music cue, every lighting change, every screen state change, every video that plays, every everything that happens on that stage entrance, exit, happens because I say stand by and go. So it's my job to direct the flow of these events and make them successful so i'm focused on the execution of these big uh corporate events um, can, can we get it can a, can we get an example of a corporate event is that is that a thing or you're not gonna yeah know, so a recent a recent fun show i just did i think brian is, is what he's saying i was just at yeah, blizzcon yeah, yeah. uh which BlizzCon! is a huge convention <laughs> for blizzard uh games so oh, they okay, make cool. world of warcraft and diablo yeah, yeah, and Overwatch and all of these uh, sort of big name games and multiplayer games. Uh, yeah. And I manage a lot of the sessions in the arena. So there's 15,000 people in there. Oh, wow. And they're talking about, you know, World of Warcraft and all of the new features coming out of the games. And I'm queuing all of the videos and all. Of, I mean, there were so many screens in that room. So all of the layer yeah. changes and there's the media service, but not content, and music cues and lighting cues, matching the color of the, everything to the games that they're talking about so i just talk non-stop for the whole you know if it's an hour and a half session i'm talking to the crew for 90 minutes straight and you know calling everything and it takes a lot of focus and preparation to get that done but it's hella fun i work with amazing teams and amazing people that i'm super thankful for it, it does take me away from my family for half the year and that's hard yeah, but hard, it's dude. just 
been my life for so long. I, I honestly don't know any other way. Um, mm. And the hardest thing for me in a long time was being home during COVID for like two years because I was like, my life is half on the road. Why am I here this long? This is weird. Um, so anyway, I could talk about that for days. Anyway, that's what I do. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. It is fun. It, it used to be super high stress. I've gotten really used to it after just doing it for so many years. God, I've been doing it for like 30 plus years. Yikes. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's fun. All right. So obviously, we could spend forever getting to know each other more. Uh, I hope this has been kind of just a, a nice little introduction to all of us. And maybe we've all learned a little bit about each other, or at least in, I think, most of our cases, just piqued our curiosity about each other which is great. So we have lots more to talk about, but I think based on the, the hours getting to it's, uh, it's time to get into some news. With all the news from inside the RC helicopter hobby, we bring you the Rota Report. All right, so one of the things I'm super excited about here on the news, slash this just in, slash Rota Report, slash we're not quite sure yet, but we're going to have a hell of a lot of fun with it. So we're all going to share in delivering the news, and I think that's awesome. So to kick us off and get us started, uh, Kenny, what's up first? Uh, noticed a um, RAW 420 uh, motor conversion kit where you can swap out the brushless motor that comes with the kit and then run a standard outrunner motor on top of the airframe that has the standard, um, it's a 380 belt and pinion. So you can actually, I guess, the... Advantage would be changing pinions and gear ratios. I don't. You guys can chime in on this if you want to. Also, I, I want to know if it makes it lighter and more powerful. That's yeah. I was questioning that also because I'm guessing that the I haven't weighed the this is the brush brushless motor that comes with the kit, but I would say that it's probably lighter overall, just a slight amount. You know, not having that bigger motor on there because there's quite a bit of copper on that. I mean, that old Buddy 380 with like the Turek motor and it was super powerful. So. Yeah, there, I mean, if you can change the ratio and like I'm like my roll 420s, the stock motor, but I actually went down to 385 blades and I found that that actually felt better than the 420 blades on it. Maybe that's what guys are mm-hmm. seeing is that the stock motor could use a little more torque so you can swap to two or three different motors now and, and change how you, you know, if you want more torque instead of RPM, because I think the stock motor is more geared towards really high RPM, even though it yeah, still it has is, a yeah. decent amount of torque. What comes on the kit? Yeah, in the new kit, so it's got a um, 900 kV motor. Um, you're still running 6L, the same size setup, but you can um, actually, it's 420 um, blades that come with that also. Now, I haven't looked in this at all. So it comes with a motor already. You don't choose like an Exnova or a Scorpion or It comes with a um, Eager Drift uh, 3220 900 kV motor and a 21 okay. tooth pinion. I'm not really sure on the pulley to give any kind of gear ratios though. But I'm assuming that the lightness would be the main reason you'd want to switch, basically, to try that if you're just looking for something different. Oh, it looks like there's a conversion kit available without a motor also. Okay, so you have two options. Yeah. 
That's cool. And you can buy parts for it. There's side frames and stuff available. Yeah, they're recommending uh, Scorpion. The same thing, 900 kV, where you can run an Exnova 945, but with a smaller pinion due to the higher kV. But otherwise, I mean, the frame size looks similar. It's just you're swapping out the uh, motor mount area for a standard, you know, outrunner motor. And we think weight savings is probably the biggest driver, maybe a little more torque. Yeah, I would assume weight savings and then changing your gear ratio to where it's torque also. If you want to change the torque of the helicopter, like you fly in lower head speeds, but you want more, you know, pop to the blades if you're going up and down a lot or something like that, maybe I would see would be a good advantage to that setup. Totally intrigued with this. If someone has done this, I want to hear about it. And it's interesting that SAB didn't release this. This was, do you know who developed it? I have no idea. Um, It says it's a guy from Asia and I'm not really sure. I've never heard of the guy before. Wow, I don't know. So it sounds like a kind of a hobbyist approach. Like someone just decided it would be cool and yeah, totally decided cool. to market it. It's awesome. All right, moving on from there. Let's talk about the uh, new model from XL Power. So this is the XL Power World Championship Edition. So the Battle of the Spectre Editions has begun. Not to be uh, outdone by Nick Maxwell, Kenny Coe is now releasing his own special edition. Now, I'm sure that, in fact, Nick and Kenny probably worked together on developing this thing. And, you know, the, the Spectres have been an evolution over at XL Power, where they're constantly refining them. We had the Nick Maxwell edition and now the Kenny Co. World Championship edition. Um, I'm sure they all worked together on it. So here's some new features uh, from this kit. It is a comes with a new lightweight red and yellow canopy with a matching red tail boom. comes with white skids, so those are the cosmetic changes. But there's a lot of other mechanical changes as well. There's an improved swashplate design that's apparently a little bit more crap party. But perhaps some other Spectre users were having issues with damage there. Uh, and this is the most important update from what I've read, if it's true. So XL Power claims that they have redesigned the head block such that the fit tolerances on the main shaft are low enough that no special techniques will be needed anymore to square the head block to the main shaft. So a lot of XL Power owners over the years have complained about some catastrophic wobbles during auto rotations or spool downs caused by the head being out of square to the main shaft. So if they've eliminated this problem, that's a huge plus for XL Power. Um, I myself have suffered with Spectre wobbles on a model that just, you know, you'd square the head block to the main shaft over and over and over again. You would do everything you can to the best of your ability and you would just be frustrated by these until you were able to kind of either luck into the fix or just get it right after multiple attempts. So if they if they truly change those tolerances, I think that's huge. That could really, you know, mean great things for XL Power, for sure. I think the paint scheme is super cool looking. It is, it is a great looking finish. It's, you know, the red-yellow leans toward the orange hues uh, as awesome. well, which I love for visibility. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be great. Uh, and then there's a number of other changes in the helicopter as well. So they redesigned what they're calling the center crutch. Uh, so now essentially the servo mounts, the motor mount, the tail boom blocks, and even the anti-rotation guide are kind of all tied in together in this center crutch that runs the length of the frame and then the side frames bolt it all together. And it just adds some more rigidity to the whole frame. There are some updates to the canopy and battery latch systems. There's This is kind of interesting to me. There's a lighter tail case and some minor improvements to the tail to improve crash hardiness. So you don't often hear that the tail case has been lightened and it's more crash resistant. 
Those seem like contradictory statements. Titanium. <laughs> I don't really know. There that. You go. I'm making that up. <laughs> wow. It's titanium. As always, yeah, the news is worth what you paid for it, so we might make some <laughs> things up along the way. <laughs> Just to amuse ourselves. Uh, there's also, speaking of the tail, multiple improvements to the tail rotor, such that it now apparently reduces vibration, performs better, and is apparently quieter as well. So, you know, I'm honestly looking forward to... I, I, I've always said that with XL Power Kits, which are great, I've enjoyed my Spectres and my Nimbus and, and others that I've tried and my 550, but I feel like there was a time period where it really required a higher attention to detail during the build to get it right. Uh, it didn't necessarily yeah. slap together as easy as, as some other kits where they just kind of self-align. You had to really sort of pay a lot of attention to that. And it sounds like XL is really working hard to curtail those, um, I don't want to say hurdles, I'm trying to find the right word, but basically just make it more, more friendly to a wider range of builder skill levels. And I think that could, right. that could open up the brand to a lot more people. So I think that's awesome. So kudos to them. Uh, kits are expected to be available in late November and will be priced at $999. Right in line. Sweet. Yeah. Anyway, thoughts? What do you guys think of the, the, the new World Championship Edition? I think it looks awesome. The Spectre has a unique feel to it in the air. I like the way they fly. So I would love to see them having that. Not having to dial indicate stuff would be super cool. That's all. Yeah, it's cool to see that he listens and keeps uh, improving you know, each part, if it's got something small wrong or just needs to be altered to make it easier to deal with or work better. Yeah. It's all about evolution, man. Listen to the community and make those changes. I do like I'm happy. Yeah. Yep. And when you've got Kenny and Nick, Kenny and Nick in your ear, like, mm-hmm. and he's obviously listening too. That's really cool. Totally. hundred percent. All right, Alex, what do you got for us next? And I'm going to talk about Carrie Shirley and gas powered helicopters. So Carrie, Carrie has always carried, uh, that's funny, uh, the, uh, the MS Studio mufflers and things like that for uh, the gas power models. And if you wanted to go with a tuned pipe, um, you really you were kind of making it your, your own way, kind of figuring out your own way to mount it and different things like that. So he has come out with his own tuned pipe. Uh, it's a unique shape. You can really see the ABCD uh, parts of the chamber and the expansion chamber in there. Uh, it's got a unique shape. And one one of the things that's really cool about it is that it comes with all the hardware. So when you buy his pipe, he sends you the way to mount it, a template for where to um, kind of, you, you, he sends you like a paper template that you can lay up on the frame and it shows you where you're going to have to drill the hole to get this, uh, this mount to come on and everything. So he does a great job with his gas powered conversions. Like if you've never done one before, his are easy to follow along he gives you a nice printed instruction manual and this is no different it comes with printed instructions on how to install it so what's also cool about it is that i had it out at the southwest heli rodeo and it has a different tone to it so if you've heard the quick draw pipe and things like that um i like the way those sound personally but uh this one has a, a pretty unique sound to it also and i had multiple people coming up to me and saying hey that sounds good i like that it's not too loud uh it's not too quiet uh, and it makes amazing power. It has a ton of mid-range power as well as the top end. So you can you can bog the thing down and it, it just kind of pulls through it really well. It's, it's really cool and I love seeing new stuff like that come out. So if, you're, if you've never had a tune pipe or anything like that, I think that's a fantastic option. And lots of people like the way it looks. 
pretty cool. I'm excited to see that. Number one, I feel like it's only fair since you did it to Kenny that you do your best impression of the new muffler sound. <laughs> oh, um, well, if you've ever heard a backpack weed eater, it sounds yeah. like that, which is, which is, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Doug Darby. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for making my day. I know it really has a unique sound to it. It's cool, dude. Like I'm I'm excited for you guys to hear it out there and and hear feedback. That sounds awesome. (laughs) The more we get these loud ass gas powered helicopters to sound more in line with with not sound like nitros, but similar level of I don't know, just overall noise volume or pleasantness to listen to. I think it, it's great progress. I love it'll, the freaking it'll, loud volume. It's fun. It'll open up gas helicopters to more people that maybe don't love that. Speaking of which, I really hope to have Carrie Shirley on the show uh, as well, and I love that you'll be able to ask him smarter questions than I can. Uh, Carrie also came out with a, a nitro muffler. So I heard about this. What do you know about it? I do not know a lot about the design. Okay, in the design of it, but I did have the chance to fly it. Also, he had sent a sample of it out to uh, to someone who flies with Ben quite a bit, uh, Philip from the same field that they fly at, William Bennett, and uh, Philip had it on his. I had the chance to take a, a pull on it. It is strong. I, I thought the mid range on it was really good. Philip has switched seven thirteens on his nitro, and dude, it was. So I, I flew mine uh, with the PowerTune pipe on it, like the normal OS 105 PowerTune pipe on it. And mine was such a dog. Like I almost put it in the dirt because I was bogging it down so bad. So I was impressed with it. I thought it was great. That's awesome. I feel like we're about to enter this pipe renaissance period where Kenny Coe's pipe's about to come out. We got this one from Kerry Shirley. We got Gregor coming out with one. Yeah, the absolute CNC one. Yeah, that's awesome to see yeah. everybody coming out with new ones. There's really a lot of innovation coming out, and we haven't seen that in a while. So I, that's exciting. I, you remember when helis were in their heyday, like 2015 to 16, 17, whatever that time period was. There was a lot of innovation going on, and I hope that this same type of innovation brings more people in. Kenny, what do you got on the OMPM 4 Max? So that's another heli that just uh, kind of caught my eye, because when I saw the original OMPM 4 it's a slightly smaller airframe, you know, than like the raw 420, you know, it's a, I don't even know what percentage it's just a, you can't run, you know, 400 or above blades on it because of the airframe size. But this, uh, the new M4 max has an extended boom. It's actually a round boom. Now it's carbon fiber instead of the, um, rectangular aluminum, like the 400 had. Hmm. So you can, um, run 420 blades on it. And it also, um, has a larger 30% larger head for the oh, larger cool. main blade. So it's probably a little more, you know, strength and beefy up on top also. As far as the motor and stuff, I believe you can run the same, you know, similar setup inside of it. So even if you had one that size, it's, 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 there's the motor on it for this one is stronger, but it's basically, you know, your other, your servos, everything else would fit into this. If you were going to run this size, Hallie. So you had a chance to fly one at all? I have not. They're not even out yet. There's just some videos of Jonas and some others flying them, but 
I'm assuming it might be out about the same time as the uh, the M7. I'm not really sure on that though. I'm, I'm assuming that they're kind of coinciding that. Are are the Goose Guy and the OMP stuff are they related? No, that I'm not sure of, and I don't think so. Okay. No, I mean there was some overlap. Well, some of the team members from OMP migrated to Goose Guy. I don't have the particulars on it, but I know that there were some folks that. I mean, it's probably like a lot of things. Like if you look at a Theta Servo designer, he used to work for a line and had new ideas that he wanted to do. And so finally he just started his own company. And I think yeah. that's loosely, don't quote me, what happened at Theta is some folks that wanted to do, or sorry, what happened at Goose Guy. The folks that wanted to take Micro Hellas in a different direction migrated over and started their own company. It's just funny that the sevens are also coming out at the same time. No, yeah, because this has been developed to a certain extent, so I think that these two are going to be pretty close, because this one's pretty far into development also. It just looks like a little better choice, I think, if you're looking... I mean, the other one's a nice compact heli if you want to throw it in the back of the car, but this one's a little slightly larger, you know, heli that requires a little more flying room, but it looks like a nice option if you want something a little bit bigger. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, There's. I have to imagine there's a, a nice little stability kick that comes from going 380 to 420s or whatnot. Yeah, this one's coming with the new um, RotorTech 420 Ultimates also. Oh, that's cool. Nice. All right. Currently, as we record, November 14th, and Thanksgiving is right around the corner, uh, mm-hmm. we sent our roving reporter, Mr. Brian Birdsog, out into the world and said, tell us of the Black Friday deals. Black what do you got, Brian? Friday. Black Friday. Oh, goodness. Well, fellas, you know, Black Friday is right around the corner. And uh, a lot of retailers are gearing up for some great sales, right? I did a little homework. I reached out to a, a lot of these online retailers to uh, see if they could give me details on what they would have. And, you know, longer story short, I mean, a lot of people really didn't have all of their particulars yet, but did say, hey, we are going to run Black Friday sales, right? So, um, if you have a favorite retailer that you like to purchase from, they they will probably have some huge Black Friday sale on on their products. So check them out. But for those that did respond, I mean, I do have a little list here. So I kind of tried to list these in alphabetical order. Our our good friends over at Aeropanda, who primarily focus on the Soxes kits and first RC products, will definitely have sales going on i had danny uh, melnick reach out to me personally to say yep we will have sales we don't have the particulars but we will have some really good sales going on on socks and kids um a main hobbies of of course um we'll have plenty of rc helicopter stuff on sale again no particulars but um their black friday sales will be up and running bk hobbies and we've, we've seen the the cool vintage uh, kind of photo uh, that they posted on Facebook. That photo's hilarious. Um, reporting that this will be their biggest Black Friday they've ever had, so be sure to subscribe to their emailer so you can get the details on all of the products that they will sell and their percentages off, stuff like that. One of the main factors, I mean, uh, Futaba USA has also posted flyers on huge sales and savings that they will have on uh, a lot of their various uh, electronic equipment. So be sure to check that out at Futaba. Got uh, Heli Direct here, of course. They will have what they're saying, a plethora of deals going on. So 25% off of various helicopter kits, savings on batteries, electronics, and more. So be sure to check them out 
Um, Horizon Hobbies right now. They're having a what they're calling a, a pre-Black Friday sale. I think it may end on the 15th. So when this airs, it might be over. But they were having a pre-Black Friday sale to kind of um, gear up for uh, the bigger Black Friday sale that comes on day after Thanksgiving. So be sure to check out Horizon Hobbies. And uh, that's pretty much what I have, except uh, the one last piece we can go into detail here is some, some really cool and exciting news, a um, little bit unorthodox, so we, we want to chat about it. But XL Power is doing um, a pretty big push to, in my opinion, kind of saturate the market of, of their birds. And I think they're running a great special where... Um, Participating retailers will allow this trade-in deal going on in exchange for one of their kits at a, a highly reduced percentage. So you can trade in, um, I think, the kits from the 380 size all the way up to a 700 size for like their their Protos 380 size bird all the way up to the Spectre V2 NME kit 700 size. Significant savings, 35 to 40 percent off. So uh, they, they have a promotional video online right now. I think uh, we could probably talk about it. Nick and, and, and um, Kenny Cole are kind of explaining the process and the details of it. But I thought it was really interesting. Like, holy cow, that's a really big deal. A lot of logistics involved, right? Trying to move uh, your old helicopters, crashed helicopters uh, to get them traded in and how that program works. So um, what do you guys, what do you fellas think about that program so does it does it sound cool or from what i understand didn't they do this in china already or another country yeah i have heard they mm. did run a test in yeah. in china i think it was china it was definitely okay. in asia somewhere and it was very successful are they melting down all the old helicopters and producing <laughs> parts out of them I, I don't know what they do with them somewhere there's a warehouse full of a pile of old helis I, I know I need to hit Scott Lower up at uh, Cajun Aircraft here in the U.S. who is, will be, yeah. you know, honoring this deal here in the United States and and see what the plan is for all these old helicopters. And it's it's you can send a crashed airframe in; it just has to have it yeah. some semblance of a tail rotor and a main rotor and something right. that looks like a frame and a boom. Like you can't send just a tail rotor in and get a whatever, but you can send a broke ass ancient flybard sitting in your dad's garage on the shelf mangled ancient helicopter and get a 40 yeah. percent off deal on a new one yeah when i when i pile drove my specter in the other day i was buying a ship of label on the way over to it like i was already purchasing the shipping label like all oh, this thing's going back and then i got closer it wasn't as bad as i thought <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 why i asked i was like so when is it going to be a rekit but yeah yeah exactly exactly so you know if you listen to this, I mean, you know, save your paychecks, get ready. Black Friday's around the corner, you know. Talk to the wife, have that discussion. Say, listen up, you got your, your jewelry and your clothes and your shoes. I'm pretty sure you're going to hit up all the stores for your Black Friday deals. I'm on my Black Friday deals. I got RC helicopters on sale everywhere on Black Friday. So, guys, it is take typically really and truly the best savings you see all year long, too. Like with the Absolutely. emails that the different vendors send out. Um, yeah. And I know they depend on our business during this time of year also. Like they know this is a wave that I need to come. So absolutely. Now instead of people hit sending it, they can just send it in. 
<laughs> just <laughs> tell them that when you're standing behind them in the flight line. I, I wonder <laughs> how the distributors feel about that program with Excel. Like, is that hurting the distributor at all? How, how is the manufacturer dealing with that and the loss leader almost, right? That they're getting people flying their models for that. So. Italy as a business owner just went to that, like, yeah. wait a minute, how is this profitable? Is it really about selling more spare parts? Like, what are they doing with all these crashed airframes? Why do they make you ship the crashed airframe in? Because I think you literally, like, I don't know, the, if you want more information on the process, Excel Powers Facebook page is kind of the central hub of where yeah. this, these videos and things are being posted. So definitely check that out. Actually, the video mm -hmm. that uh, Kenny and Nick did is pretty good video. Like, it's funny. It, it is. It's a good skit they did together. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you send the crashed airframe in and then you get like a discount code and then you order the helicopter i don't know how it all works but there's some sort of mechanics like that but how do they make any money if they're taking almost 40 percent off of the cost of the kit there's sure there's no still some money in it but you know they're counting on your buying parts they yeah it's be. gonna yeah. it's gonna pay off in the long run because there'll be more people flying the brand yeah yep or you know, are the or yeah is that the payoff just you know, getting people to try be. Excel Power that haven't tried it before, mm -hmm. and then you know, hedging bets on future purchases down the road because they like it. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I I always like seeing new approaches to things, so I'm excited for it for that very reason. Somebody was like, "Let's try this." We had the crazy SAB summer sale. Now we got the yep. Excel Power. Send your crash stuff mm -hmm. in. Uh, so it works in some situations. Look at video games like uh, that Players Unknown and uh, a lot of the video games that are free nowadays. They make all their money from, you know, they gave you the game, but then you buy all these things once you have it. It's kind of the same situation. You know, once you get enough out right. there, there's still money to be made there that's, you know, better in the long run. I mean, now you can go to a fun fly, travel to a fun fly. So bring your golf case with a broken down cardboard box in it, send it, Absolutely. crash it, dip it to Cajun or wherever your dealer is, depending on where you are in the world. <laughs> And uh, have a new kit be there waiting for you when you get home. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I like it. This next piece is kind of funny because Alex and I had this conversation about it that cracked me up because I think we both went through similar mental struggles over this one. Uh, so what can you tell us about these new gimbals for the V-Control, Alex? Okay, so I, I saw these gimbals and went, but the ones that are on it are fine. Why would you do this? Like a typical V-Bar fanboy would say. And uh, I'm, I'm at the field talking about them, and they're like, well, they're adjustable from the front. And I'm like, wait, what? They're, you can play with the spring tension without taking the whole freaking transmitter apart, which is, to me, a, a pain. Like, yeah. Valid. Uh, on the Futaba one, you can just take the back plastic pieces off and screw it right there. It's adjustable right there. So I've, I've ordered them, and then at the rodeo, Gerard had them on his radio, and they feel amazing. So I'm interested in them now, for sure. So these are new gimbals for the V-Control that Radio Master has developed. They're uh, Hall effect sensors, supposed to be much smoother feeling. I haven't uh, mm -hmm. put my hands on them yet, but... I went through a similar process of being like, ah, it's just a gimmick. It's stupid. There's nothing wrong with the current gimbals. This is just a bunch of like loser fanboys obsessing over a few ball bearings. It's not worth it. And then like a week later, I totally caved in order to set, which is pathetic. 
Yeah, I also paid for the expedited uh, processing, and uh, they're backordered, so there was no need to pay for the expedited part of the ordering process. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm in the backordered boat, too, so who knows when they'll show up, but it doesn't look like replacing them is that big an operation. I mean, you're going to take um, things apart. At the Fun Fly, Gerard, Gerard is super detailed. Uh, and he was showing me, I think he was having to recalibrate the stick ends and things like that. So I think there is some calibration to be done, which for, for V-Bar for, for V-Bar users, that's like, how do you do that? Because it just does it for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. always good if you switch sticks. <laughs> when you buy a new V controller, you're supposed to calibrate it. It takes like two seconds. But... I've never calibrated oh. one. Oh, I've, always, I've gone in there and looked at it. I was like, it says 100. It's good. <laughs> Last up, KST Servos has announced a new programming box for their V6 and V8 servos. So this new programming box features a knob versus buttons for easier programming. This is over the previous generation of program box. It also adds the ability now to reverse the servo direction in the program. So all in all, it's just a more polished look than the original program box, which was just a rebrand of the Torque programmer. You can pre-order this programmer now on the KSD website or from your KSD dealer for $79.99. And it uh, should be available before the end of the year. So in the race for programmable servos, I think, you know, the V1 program box was just not quite as polished as they would like, uh, although certainly functional. So now there's just a nicer, um, slightly better designed V2 program box. So if you're a KSD servo fan, you didn't jump on the bandwagon for the programmer right away, uh, definitely check this one out. In the venues this week, we are coming down to the end of the year. There are really not many events left, but one of the last ones available in the United States anyway is the Winter Bash. This is hosted by the Torches Club in Orlando. And rather than us telling you about it, let's hear from the man himself, Torches Club President, Mr. Steve Shaw. Well, Nick, first of all, it's great to be back or to be with you tonight uh, or this afternoon, whenever it ends up airing. And Rotor Revolution. Man, I got to say, first of all, congratulations. I like that name. It's catchy. I think that'll carry you uh, to great heights, altitude, maybe a few pyro flips tossed in there. So that'll be cool. Uh, I want to tell you, though, really, first of all, I like to encourage you to think about I just got back from Biloxi, Mississippi, and did a little bit of, little bit of gambling in the casino, not much. But one thing I noticed I was there for three days, it is cold already in Mississippi. I mean, bone-chilling cold. It got down, I think the high was maybe, oh, maybe 60, 65, and it got down to bone-chilling, I think, maybe 52 at night, so pretty darn cold. Now, there are some of your listeners that are further north. Maybe they're used to a little bit colder weather, and this is really the time of year where people think about, where else could I go? Maybe I could do something different, something sort of fun, and tie helicopters into it. With that said, I think that absolutely the best way to finish 2023 is in Orlando, Florida. And I would certainly come down to the Torches Winter Bash, man. We're going to tear it up. There are going to be some top-notch pilots. Actually, Burke Cameron just happens to be one of the locals, uh, members of the club. And actually, Burt was, I think, one of, the, uh, one of the original members. He was president once upon a time. Everybody knows the name. Several of his pilots are coming down. The Winter Bash is, before I forget to say it, December 8th, 9th, and 10th. 
And you can make reservations flying to Orlando. You can also drive down. It's a convenient drive from many places. I would really recommend flying. But some of the things that we're doing, we're going to have an auto contest, I'm sure. We're doing some night flying. Right now, if you go online to the website, torches.org, that's T-O-R-C-H-S dot org, you'll be able to actually register online and you'll have the best price. We had a couple of flyers that have come out, list several of our vendors. We have some great sponsors for that event, and we're going to have some really good raffle prizes, so we're looking forward to that. But it mentions that uh, there was $35 initially. It's at $40 pre-registration right now. It does list $60 at the event on the flyer. That's not going to happen. We're actually going to be discounting that $60. So don't look at that number and, and scare anybody off. Uh, when you get to the event, if there's any confusion about that, come and find me. I should be there on Thursday uh, through Sunday. And if you haven't been to the Torches Field, this would be a great opportunity to be able to come down. We have a uh, food truck on site. There'll be, there's RV parking if you have a, an RV. There's hotels in the area. Uh, I would go to places like Hilton.com or Marriott.com to check to see what's there. There are not any hotels that are within five or 10 minutes drive. Most of them are 15 minutes or a little bit further. But some of our, our sponsors for the event would be BK Hobbies, Exnova Motors, Theta Servos, Peli Direct, Mikado USA. The list goes, uh, I'll say it goes on and on. Graves RC, one of the local hobby shops in the Orlando area, will be sponsoring as well. Ego Drift Motors, Maniacs. Uh, and as I say, the list really truly goes on. Check it out at torches.org and see if you can get some information. Hopefully register. It is a little bit cheaper. Uh, it'll probably be $5 more. Right now it's $40, but probably $5 more actually at the event itself. No t-shirts included. Uh, no free food included, but there is a food truck. Uh, we hope that as the event continues to grow this coming year, we uh, hope to include a t-shirt in our, in our, pri our uh, registration fee, but we're not quite there yet. Michael Gata, for those of you that know the name Gator, he's actually our CD, our course director for the event. He's been involved with the event for many years. I see that Kyle Stacy is registered. I'm not sure if he'll be there or not. Uh, there are a lot of sponsored pilots, so the flying will be absolutely terrific. I will probably do a little bit of flying myself. I wouldn't say I'll be center stage, and people are not coming down to see Steve, uh, you know, in Florida fly, but, but I'll certainly pull you off to the side and maybe fly kind of a one end or the other, not to embarrass myself or anybody else that may have to watch. Uh, I love this hobby. I also love how my skills continue to get better. And part of that is due to some of the camaraderie of the people that you see. And that's the cool part to me. Got Greg Ringley coming in from Arizona to be able to participate. I saw him a couple of weeks ago at the Southwest Rodeo. And you continue to develop friends. I saw Ken Marshall. He's not going to be there this year, but he'll probably be there next year. You have the miniature aircraft team. They're sponsoring. And Jeff, I'm sorry, Jodith, Joseph and Judith are coming in from Germany to be able to participate at the event several of their team as well. So that'll be pretty cool. Uh, Aeropanda is one of the sponsors. And Danny and Manny are only about an hour drive away from our field. So it'll be interesting to see them fly and maybe they'll have a few things with them. And just, just go to our website, take a look, see who's there. Uh, and 
That really is about all I can say. Uh, I would certainly encourage all of you, if you're looking for last event of the year, warmer weather, a lot of fun had by all, and a lot of guys just absolutely tearing the air up, maybe tearing up a helicopter or two. You know, that's the cool thing about helicopters. Uh, you really, if you see a crash, it's awesome. And usually most of the pilots, they get excited about it. If you go to a NASCAR race, you might want to see a crash, but you don't want to see anybody get hurt. You wouldn't mind seeing maybe a little bit of flames. With, with our helicopters, you don't usually see any flames. But once in a while, maybe you might see a little bit of smoke come out of one. So come on down. Join us in sunny South Florida. Look forward to seeing you sometime soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Steve. Uh, much against the advice of many people, we decided to give you some airtime on the show this week. Let's hope <laughs> you don't abuse it in the future. But good to hear from you, man. Thanks uh, for sharing. Uh, any of you guys planning on heading down to Torches for the Winter Bash? Do it. I'm going. Nice. We'll be there. Yeah, I'm still debating. So. I tend Are you to going, Brian? plan on going also. I'm, I'm debating it. I'm, I really am debating it. So it just uh, depends on how everything plays out with family time and all that good stuff. But I want to go. Kenny, you're go going? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm planning on it as of now. Oh, I think I'm see, just there is... Friday and Saturday. This is the conversation I had with my wife today. I kind of want to go to one more <laughs> event because I missed Hell yeah. I was yeah. like, the other one left is Winter Bash, and it kind of meets my schedule, but I've just been out of town so much this year. I was like, but if all of the other guys from the podcast go, I gotta go. So she was like, well, you could go. Like, we're around that week. So I don't know. I think, Brian, you're the deciding factor for me. I think if you go, I'm going to have to go, and then the four of us would get to hang out and fly. No pressure. Let's go. I have a total <laughs> disclaimer. I have a disclaimer on how I got there. Have you ever, have you ever, like, you know, you, you, you know that you're going to buy yourself something, and so you buy your wife something? So that it's okay. Totally. That you get yeah, exactly. I'm bringing the family with me. But nice. they're not going to go to the oh, fun fly. Go. We're going to head down there on Tuesday. We're going to do Disney together for a couple of days. And then uh, they're going to stay at the resort and do whatever they're doing. And I'm going to go to the fun fly. Nice. Yeah. Smart thinking. Very cool. I cheated, yeah. I cheated my way into that one. <laughs> I do the same thing. So I travel so much. I earn a lot of hotel and frequent fire points. So I send my wife on free trips, yeah. and then when I want to go to a fun fly, it's like, well, it's only fair. You went to so-and-so, so uh, yes. here we are. Yeah, <laughs> it, all, it all works out well. The games it just fly. makes going to a fun fly way more expensive is the issue. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, that does it for the news this week, unless anybody has anything else. All right, I'm seeing head shakes of no. All right, that's it for our first Road Revolution news segment. So that now brings our very first episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast to a close. I gotta say, I'm pretty stoked to have us up and rolling. I hope you guys are too. I'm excited to learn from you guys and and know more about Futaba and Kenny, all the nitro tuning and stuff you do too. I'm, I have exactly. Yep. I want to hear what you guys have to uh, throw at me also. Totally. I get smarter by surrounding myself with much smarter people than me, which all of you qualify as. If you're excited to have another helicopter podcast to listen to and you want to support us, 
Somebody like unwrapping Werther's? <laughs> Might have to redo that really? one. Russell, Russell, I thought Russell, Nick Russell. was waiting to give out my PayPal account so that people knew how to support us. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, so first up, thanks for listening, and thanks for all of the messages after our first little mini-episode. We got a lot of folks uh, shouting out support. Uh, <laughs> give me a laugh. <laughs> Alex is turning all shades of, I don't know what color that is yet. Maybe red. Someone's unwrapping Werther's. It's like you're sitting at, <laughs> sitting at a convention. There you go, yes. <laughs> it was a Twizzler wrapper. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, busted. <laughs> I, I just randomly picked it away. Up. Like I had my iPod thing, and I kept opening it, and I heard it clicking up, and I went in the mic. I was like, "Oh, I have to put that crap down!" Oh shit! All right, here comes the wrap. Let's try one more out. All right, that wraps up for our first episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. We are super stoked to be up and rolling. First, I want to say thanks for listening, and thanks for all of the messages after our first little teaser episode. And a ton of folks reach out with messages of support, so thanks for those. If you're excited to have another helicopter podcast to listen to and you like what you hear and want to support us, the very best thing you can do is to like and share our Facebook page as well as our episode posts. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform and help spread the word and join the Rotor Revolution. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching for Rotor Revolution RC Podcast. Find us online at www.rotorevolution.live. And if you've got a listener question, you can reach us via email at questions at rotorrevolution.live or at any of our first names, Nick, Brian, Ketty, or Alex at rotorrevolution.live. With that, thanks again for listening and being a part of the revolution. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See ya. Later. See you later. Take care, guys. <laughs> <laughs> This concludes this episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. To learn more, stay in touch with the team, and to join the revolution, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or find us on the web at rotorrevolution.live. Help us spread the word and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. For listener questions, advertising inquiries, or to reach out to the entire team, email us at questions at rotorrevolution.live. Thanks for listening.